<laughs> Recording in progress. Okay. All right. Just a second. And we are sort of live. All right. And we are live. Welcome all to episode 76 of the Plastic Posse. Uh, and I totally forgot what I was going to say. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Drum roll, please. please. Take two. Yeah. And the be real moves on. <laughs> Remember that you can send us face back and suggestions. Face back. Latest merch. T-shirt. Hashtag face back. Face back. Face back. Um, all right. I, I love. Easy there. Says. Jensen's on. Come on. Now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just. Please keep that in. This time we interview. Are you doing it or am I doing it? Sorry. I, I'm doing I just trying I'm to get some friendly no. banter. Let me start again. We're ve- we're very professional. Yeah. We're we're we're, we're could be worse. <laughs> we're real good. Welcome, everybody, to episode 76 of the Plastic Posse. I'm here with my buddy Scott, Doug, JB, Jensen, and our special guests, Cliff Herring and Rick Lauer. How you guys doing? Hanging in there. Yeah, Woo. I'm good. All right. That's great to hear. I'm great to hear from everybody. So I'm going to go around the room and see how everybody's doing and what they're working on. Let's start out with Mr. Colorado himself, JB. How you doing? Good. I think for the last couple of weeks, though, you got to call me Mr. California. I've been traveling for, <laughs> for work a lot, so I, I might be a resident there. But no, everything's been going good on my end. You know, I have a couple major focuses, um, one of which is that SDK has said 251, which is hitting the shelves and mailboxes of a lot of people. So I got my shipping notification from Andy. So if you did pre-order one, yours should be over very, very soon. So I have that I'm working on. Um, when I did travel to California, I took along and I cheated a little bit because I have two facades but I started working on the bookstore facade, which mine will be a derelict hobby shop. So I will paint some of the boxes with a little bit of markings that are hobby related. Uh, but don't worry, I have another one, uh, the, gar- the garage as well that I'll do for the build along. So I have those two. And then also when I travel, I took a couple sets of SC3D tracks and put those together in the hotel room. So that's been uh, that's been what I've been working on. That's great. You know, we've we've noticed the traffic's gotten heavier here, so I do appreciate you showing up and adding to it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I have an entourage, and you know, it's tough. Saw, it's tough. You know, I saw the the Ospreys flying by, so I figured you were in town. Yeah, so. you know, I guess we should tell our listeners that we have a beast very similar to the president's. That you know, it, it goes everywhere on a C seventeen and has a giant plastic posse sticker on the side of it. Um, but yeah, what can I say? that's great that's great scott how are you doing hey my friend i am doing great had a had a great week (laughs) earlier this week we got to interview lincoln wright 
from Australia. And uh, and that was a lot of fun. It's always fun to hear somebody give TJ a little bit of guff. And so you'll want to stick around and listen to that. Grant, uh, because he apparently uh, has angered Mother Nature, uh, wasn't able to attend. Uh, he got to endure not only a tropical storm, but an earthquake. And uh, then, you know, provide those as lame excuses not to show up. <laughs> but no, it's a great conversation. You'll hear that later in the episode. Uh, Link is doing really, really well, and he has some uh, some great uh, things to talk about, uh, so make sure you stick around and listen to that. I have been actually uh, working a little bit on my 3D-printed Colonial Viper, prepping all the parts for Primer, and then um, with my buddy Josh Buck. Hey, Josh, uh, we've been doing some build nights over here, and I've been working on one of the DOS Work 35th scale American 155-millimeter uh, howitzer. Mm. Uh, my version is a World War II modernized version of a, essentially a World War One gun. Man, uh, impressed with that little kit. I mean, you have to work for it a little bit, but the detail is really unbelievable. Anyway, that's been a lot of fun. All right, Doug, how you doing? I'm doing well. And before I start, I'm going to just shout out my daughter, who just before we started recording this morning, finished her first half marathon. Ooh, um, awesome. so that's awesome. She's uh, she's just very awesome. tired, very sore, but uh, happy she did it, I think. And uh, already talking about the next one. So anyway. <laughs> Um, I too have been uh, working on my my facade. I'm not nearly as far along as as uh, JB is, but I've got Charvin's fa- facade and uh, got that going. It's a lot of fun. I really like these little things. It's 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 kind of a simple idea to give you everything you need to to do something in a simple no build but just paint. I, I'm I'm having fun with it. Um, I also have been working on a couple of things that I started. Um, in the last year, I'm trying to kind of clear my backlog before I really jump hard into something else. Um, at least get a few things out of the way before I add more. So I started, I started working on the the uh, Tamiya 48 scale Tiger that I started into last year. I started I started building a base for that. I'm just gonna have fun wrapping it up. Nothing special on that one. Just we'll see how it looks. Uh, right now, I'm pretty happy with it. For me, it looks great. <laughs> but and I look at somebody else's three tone camos on, I just think, well. Mine looks fine for me. That's really what's important. There you go. There you yeah. Go. And I've been collecting parts, uh, not parts, but uh, I got decals for my T-47 for the Operation Overlord build. So I'm excited about that. And yeah, ready to move on. Are you, are you going to do the crashed one or are you going to do it? I'm going to I'm gonna do it on the ground, uh, like bellied in. I've got mm-hmm. some, there's a couple of good reference photos up close where you can see the kind of wear on the wings from the crash. Wow, cool. Um, so uh, I will do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think I'm going to end up putting a tractor on it, but I will have the soldiers standing around it, like that were that were there when the tractor was towing it. So yeah, cool. That's right, man. That's really good. That'll that'll allow me to keep the base pretty small. Yeah, good point. And our friend from overseas, the man who just kicked COVID's butt, Jensen. How you doing? Hi. Um, I'm good. Uh, it's nice to, well, get, I say get rid of COVID. It still lingers a little. The only thing it has done that's good for me is give me a voice where I actually kind of sound like a man. Um, so that's good. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> coming back from Nats, um, I was, for, for a while, we were talking about what we want to clean sleep build when we return. And for me, I bought the Border Models for Wolf 198 6, the 35th scale aircraft. 
beautiful. It's got rivets everywhere, and I just love rivets. So I started building that. I've got all the engine engine built up, the cockpit built up, the uh, landing gear bays built up, the machine guns built up. Lots of sub-assemblies, and you don't usually start building it in a traditional aircraft way. Usually aircraft start you building the cockpit first, but you get a lot of the construction out of the way before you even get to the cockpit, and the Focke-Wolf cockpits are pretty simplistic anyway. So that's all primed in Mr. Surfacer 1500 Black now, ready to do some painting this afternoon. I was going to put it on the back burner because uh, in less than two months, we have scale model challenge coming up and right at the last minute, I've been thinking, do I enter something in the contest? So now I'm thinking, do I, do I just find something and I know I can build decent and get something done for that contest? Still thinking about it, but as each day goes on, the closer it gets. So I'm, do I'm it. not sure. Do, do it. it. Do it. Do it. Okay. Well, there's the answer then. Uh, it looks like I'm going to have to put that aside and find something to build. Um, I know Sam Dwyer, the Sam Dwyer, has been telling telling me to enter something, so I'll I'll, I'll find something in the stash. Do you it's have not an like AK I'm short Land Rover? Uh, no, I do not. Well, funny story. We have someone from AK here. Maybe they could help you. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought you I thought you got one initially. Not the Land Rover. I've got an oh, FJ. Land- oh, 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 yeah. Oh, well, yeah, we'll see what we could do. <laughs> I mean, my, my paint, my, 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 well, right here, my paint rack's looking pretty empty as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go, go, going back to what Sam said, um, I, I, th- I think there's a rule that if the Sam Dwyer gives you some advice, you listen. Yeah, so. if, if he says it, you do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, that's me. I've just been working on the the fuck wolf. It's a, it's a nice kit. It it gives and it takes. The kit itself is beautiful. Like the paneling, the rivets, all gorgeous. The instructions riddled with mistakes. That unfortunately, apparently, is kind of a common thing with border model kits. It's a shame because doing the exhausts and all the piping, I was just like, this makes no sense. So I just chopped up all the bits myself and I was just like, right, let's see how this actually works. Yeah. But apart from the mistakes and the instructions, and I've noticed now they've started correcting them, the kits are actually really good. So that, that aircraft is a very nice kit. But um, yeah, that's that's all I've been really working on. Ah, that's great. That's great. You know, and, and speaking of Sam, the Sam Dwyer, sorry, Sam, don't hurt me for that. He posted his uh, Panther online this week and that is one beautiful build. Just got to say that, Sam. Great work. All right, let's go over to Cliff Herring. How you doing, Cliff? I'm hanging in there. There you go. You feeling any better or? A little bit. The COVID's gone, but it's kind of lingering. So yeah. the last couple of weeks have been like really bad allergies kind of. Right. So it's uh, it's better than it was. That's good. That's good. Well, you know, we really did miss you at Nats, and we, but we did get to see your, your uh, 44, which was great. We really do appreciate it. So what have you been up to lately? Absolutely nothing. There you go. <laughs> I watched. I watched, I lived vicariously through everyone else that was at Nats and uh-huh. was sick. Uh-huh. And as I recovered, I just kind of just, I needed to take a sabbatical. So the only there thing on my go. bench right now is Windex. <laughs> I have cleaned hey. my bench and I have three or four kits that I want to start. And then you guys did the video for the 80th anniversary of D-Day group build. Mm-hmm. And now I'm totally lost at what I want to build. So yeah. See, that's I'll, make a, I'll make a decision soon and figure out what I'm going to start up. Yeah. You know, you say that. I think cleaning the bench is actually a project for most of us alone. I mean, because I know I clean my bench is a mess half the time. So when I start cleaning it, it takes a little while myself. So I clean I as slow as I build. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. Is there little, you know, little Easter eggs all over your desk too? But, you know, I have to ask. Actually, there are. <laughs> I have post-it notes and the skull that I cut out for the top of the Mark 44 is waiting to be plastered onto something. So That's great. Well, we're actually glad to hear you hear you feeling a little bit better and really glad you're here today. We really do appreciate it. Man. Glad to be here. Thanks so much. And Mr. The Mr. Rick Lawler, how you doing, sir? 
Can there be two of these in the world? I don't know. Sam got it first, well, I think. Well, you got to have different continents have their own. So oh, okay. Okay. One. So, so I do appreciate that. <laughs> I'm good, guys. Pleasure to be with you right now. It's a bunch of smiling faces. Uh, Afterglow of Nats. I know it's a couple of weeks away or in the past, but still kind of reveling in all that funness that we had together. That was a great time, guys. Yeah. Appreciate so it. Appreciate you. The class was fantastic. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. So what have I been up to since, I guess? Uh, when I got back, I have kind of got swamped with some work uh, real work projects here. <laughs> I know modeling is your profession. This never worked, right? Uh, <laughs> but uh, had some uh, new products show up right when I right before I left and right when I got back. So I've been working on some videos for those. Uh, did that little rock base. I don't know if you guys saw that with little buildings on top. That was uh, kind of a part of a demo. That was a lot of fun. Talk about yeah. kind of palette cleansing, just something totally different, just winging it, making up the scale as I went along. Oh, this looks good. This looks good, you know, and trying out some of those new colors. That was a lot of fun. And then kind of simultaneously. And then since then, I've been working on this AFV Club M10 because I'm still on this Vietnam War kick. And speaking of kicks, this M10 has been kicking my ass for the last two weeks. It is... It's kind of like uh, Jensen was saying about the instructions, man, what a letdown on the instructions. Very difficult to get through those and a lot of piping and hydraulics that just I couldn't make heads or tails of it. Just spent more time staring at the instructions than building the kit. So, but it's done. There's paint on it. And maybe if we talk about how to get out of ruts a little bit later on, I think that might be one of our topics. I'll kind of tell you what I'm doing to get out of a rut. So having to do with the M10. That's great. And myself, as you heard from Scott, I, I went through a little bit of a hurricane tropical storm up here and then right in the middle of a tropical storm we decided to have an earthquake because you know god doesn't like us enough as it is so we got through that we're doing fine i am working on a couple figures right now getting ready for chicago coming up in october i've got some training i'm gonna go through with some individuals from san diego of one-on-one training painting uh for non-metallic metal tomorrow so i'm really looking forward to that i really appreciate them taking their time to help me with that so other than that uh that's about it i spent three hours on the freeway yesterday so that that also counts as work time so but that was fun but other than that everything's doing great uh i do have to say tj is actually at a show today so he will not be joining us so he's at the the tank farm at Milksville, Virginia today with his group, his amps group and everybody else. So we do miss you, TJ. Get you back here real soon. We need to talk to you about the, the group build with the Overlord. The Plastic Posse podcast is sponsored by Tankcraft. In addition to their awesome cutting mats, Tankcraft also makes some incredible scale modeling tools for your workbench. Want to keep extra thin cement off your bench and in the bottle where it belongs? Check out Tankcraft Glue Base, designed to stop glue spills in their tracks. The glue base is made from solid mill aluminum and comes with a stable rubber base pad and can accommodate most square and round cement bottles. And while you're there, check out their line of cutting mats and other unique modeling tools. Remember, Posse listeners get 15% off their first order by using the code Posse15. So head on over to tankcraft.com. That's T-A-N-K-R-A-F-T.com. All right. So Rick did bring up our first discussion point. Let's let's talk about that. This discussion point kind of came up a couple of weeks ago when we were talking with TJ. And TJ brought up something that I found quite interesting and started thinking about. He said, uh, when, he's tired, when you're tired or worn out or blocked, what subject of models 
do you return to to get your energy back? And as TJ said, he goes back to Machina Krieger, which he finds that he really knows the product real well. He knows the companies real well. And so it's easy for him to restart. Myself, when I'm having troubles and I'm not doing anything right, and I'm, I'm blocked or something like that, I always go back to, I think Tamaya is my, is my fallback. Uh, to my kids are my fallback with that 135th scale and it's and then to tell you the truth it's the schweimagen i i don't know what it is about that kit um i love that kit i've got seven of them sitting around here in all different stages of completion and completed for some reason for me that that kit is it, it's a fall together kit and it's easy for me to build and i love to build it it's just the the idea of a floating car is kind of interesting to me and so i i always fall back on that kit and you know, and to me, that's fun that I can I have a kit that I know a lot about. I know the generalized aspects of the vehicle itself also. So everything kind of falls together for me. And that, that helps me get my process back and start building again. So I'm going to go around the room uh, again, but I'm going to go backwards this time. So, Rick, you're going to be up first. So what do you fall back on? Oh, goodness. I think I kind of misunderstood the question, but I'll answer it in no, two parts. No, no. I will go answer ahead. it in two parts here. So, yeah. I absolutely enjoy making diorama bases or small scenes and things like that. So back to that little rock base that I just did, but I'll just put little bases together just for the heck of it. Um, mm -hmm. And that's just fun. I don't have to worry about it. I can kind of experiment with some stuff, try different painting techniques, different colors, things like that. So that's always fun. It's kind of a relaxing thing mm -hmm. in terms of kind of lately. And, and when I say lately, like over the past, um, I don't know, a few months, let's say, last three or four builds, I felt like I've been in a rut. You know, it's like I, I the mojo's kind of gone and and I didn't quite know how to get over that hump. What I'm finding right now is I purposely on this M10 had decided before I went into it that I'm going to try something totally different in terms of finishing and weathering. So not back to my usual oil paints, anything like that. So coincidentally, these new products showed up on my bench. And so this whole thing is going to be weathered out and painted out in a very new in new products, brand new wow. products, new products for me, new products that will be on the shelf soon if they're not already. So no oil paints at all. Just trying out something different. And I found myself now that I'm into that painting and weathering stage over the last couple of days, I'm waking up in the morning going like, I got to get to the bench because now I'm excited to try this because I'm learning and experimenting. And I started out with the road wheels on those, just did some things on the backside just to kind of get an idea of how these things are going to work. And then I just said, okay, let's go for it and started at the most obvious spot on the top of the hole and started going for it. And I'm having a blast. So for me, it's kind of just the change up of process, procedures, materials, mm -hmm. things like that um, really kind of helped me move over those humps. Yeah, I you know I I followed your building of the 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 monastery on the rock, which was very I I really like that. That's such that had to be a heck of a palate cleanser for you. Yeah, it was a I lot like of fun, especially when you don't have. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, especially when you don't have to really worry about getting it right, so to speak. You're just building to build. Right. Yeah, and the rocks are out. Fantastic. I like the way you did the rocks and, you know, the description of how you did. You had a little bit of a screw up there and you fixed it yourself. And that was great. I really, really enjoyed that. And like I said, it turned out great. No, thank you. Appreciate that. Not a problem. All right, Cliff, what do you do? I tend to, I only build one model at a time. So it's not like I can really pick up something and, and off the shelf and work on that. Right. And I'm a bad, really bad procrastinator. Mm -hmm. When I get so involved in my builds, usually what I do is I just take a little bit of a break. Now I'll come to the bench, but I have a TV. So the night shift videos, the propaganda videos, all those things that I don't really get a chance to watch or take a look at while I'm building because I'm so involved in it. Mm -hmm. I'll just sit here at the bench and I'll turn that on. And that usually gives me good ideas on, you know, if I'm stuck somewhere on how to fix it. Or if I ever go back to anything, I have a little ATST that's kind of a, 
I try stuff out on Mm -hmm. and I'll mess with that. But basically I'll just take a a micro break and I'll turn on Martin Kovac or I'll turn on Rick. I'll turn on a video. I'll watch that. And it just kind of gets me through wherever I'm stuck, whether it's in the front of my brain or in the back of my brain. And that's usually what I do. That's great. I mean, that's, I I mean, that's, you know, that's a fantastic way to handle it because like you said, you come into the room itself, but you, you're learning, you're learning a new project. You know, I'm sure somebody out there, he does the same thing or even just like reads books or looks at, you know, reference materials, another good thing to do probably in that, in that genre, but that's great. That's, that's a fantastic idea. Jensen, what about yourself? Um, yeah, I've got two kind of answers for this. For me, when I'm when I'm struggling or having a block or anything like that, I tend to actually just not model at all. Um, it, it tends not to be the subject that stops me progressing. It tends to be just the motivation to model in general. Because when I'm motivated, I'll build anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so usually, if there's a block, I just stop until the want to carry on returns. But what helps kind of bring that back is sometimes, example, for example, these facades we have zero building required take it out of the box and get a paintbrush and some paint and just follow your heart's content. Just do whatever, <laughs> whatever you want with it, whatever comes to mind. And it, it's, it's, it don't feel like it's much of an effort, but you're seeing results and yet you, you can quickly approach the completion of something and you get that nice feeling of, Oh, I've achieved something. I've done something yeah. um, that comes back really quick, which then can drive the want to build more things. This is why Tamiya kits are really good because they really are. You can just one afternoon, like the, the Marda kits or the, mm-hmm. the little self-propelled guns, the German early war stuff, anything like that. Like the, the, um, the Stuart is an a, incredible example of that. A kit you can just literally get out of the box one afternoon. You've got it done and built and then you can paint it, do whatever you want with it. Those kits are great, but, um, it's hard because for me, it's, it's it's more of a mental thing of having these blocks and just whatever it is. I tend to not be able to like work out for a bit. I can I tend to need to neglect getting to the bench. It doesn't mean I'm not interested in modeling anyway. I, I'll still look at what everyone else is doing. Like I'll I'll talk to you guys all the time. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll keep my eye out on new releases, all that stuff. I'm just not physically doing it. Mm-hmm. And then there's me hoping that enough motivation I pick up from what everyone else does. It's like, you know what? Sod this. I need to get back to the bench and like do something because the stuff you guys are doing is really good. And I want some of that. So <laughs> I don't know if that answers the question, but um, that's, that's kind of my thoughts on it. It's, it's one of those, if I'm not feeling it, don't do it. It will mm-hmm. come back either through the love of seeing what you guys are doing or just it'll come back on its own. Yeah, I, I, you answered the question. Nailed you nailed it. Uh, trust me. And, and and you know, there's we all have those things where we just, like you said, sometimes the best thing is just to step away and just keep you know keep yourself in the hobby, but step mm-hmm. away. You know, you know, wonder how John does three tone camo, and you know, wonder how Scott you know does flawless prints and stuff like that. Then finally get that motivation and attack it again. So it's 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 a coping mechanism, and that's what you know we're looking for. Uh, all right, Doug, what do you do? Well, the first thing I would do if I really, really want to build, but I can't get myself motivated is probably pull out a new Star Wars kit, mm. uh, anything Bandai. But it's not just that. Sometimes I need to just make myself sit at the bench. I'll pull out a kit that I've been working on. It doesn't matter what it is. Sometimes I, if, if I actually sit down and start working before I know it, I'm focused on working on it. And that's how the tiger started becoming a thing. And I pulled it out. I was like, "Eh, I don't know, but I just started doing things to it. And then Mm -hmm. it was really late at night and I had no idea I'd been working on it for a couple hours. You know, I just, I just went. So, so sometimes it's just a matter of making myself go rather than 
rather than uh, a, a subject or anything. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Sometimes, to, like you said, it just takes that jump start to just, you know, get everything flowing and get everything moving again. Yep. All right, Scott, you're up. Um, you know, maybe building a little bit on, on what Jensen said, but a slightly different angle. I don't, I don't really suffer from mojo. I have a lot of talented friends on this call, uh, let alone, you know, things like, you know, Rick's propaganda videos or Martin's videos. So, I mean, I, I literally am never really in a place where I don't feel like modeling. For me, the issue is getting the time to do it. And and then I, I, I kind of make things hard for myself too in that because I don't have a lot of time. I find myself probably starting too many things. And I don't have a shelf of doom, but I have a shelf of projects that need to <laughs> actually get finished someday. And uh, so, you know, really it's just a, just a question of grabbing something and you know moving it down the line but um yeah i'm i'm constantly uh you know go to the local amps meeting or look at john's progress on the 251 or look at what jens is doing with his border models 190 or you know what doug's been working on on that tie interceptor i mean all all of these things really inspire me and uh so i don't really suffer from a, a lack of mojo just mainly a, a lack of time yeah I, I think a lot of us can agree with you there it's sometimes it's just that time of the day just runs by too fast and we just don't have just don't get there completely understandable and jb what do you do yeah i think i'm gonna echo a lot of been what a lot of what's been said really it just comes down to it's in its basic form. What do I enjoy doing? What do I, what can I do that's fun? And I'll pull on what Jensen said, where I'm working on this facade from AK right now and it's pure painting joy. And I find that most of the time when I need to get the mojo flowing, the building is okay. Um, I love slamming a Tamiya kit together. I think from a, if I'm in the building mood, I definitely want something that's easy and can make a lot of progress on and show some victories. And I think that's probably why I like painting the most to regain the mojo because you really, really, really get to see progress pretty quickly. And that was the nice thing about this facade build where I literally, the only prep I did was I added a little conduit box and some conduit for the hotel light. And that took two seconds. It's it's funny. I was I wanted to bring one to the hotel when I was gone this past week and I was going to bring the garage. And then I'm like, ah, I don't have an airbrush to do the chipping fluid and this and that. I'm like, let me look at this hotel thing. And I'm like, all right, the only thing I need to add is some conduit and a light box. So here I am. I have a 5 a.m. flight out of Denver. I'm waking up at three o'clock in the morning and I'm in my room at like nine o'clock at night. And I'm like, what can I bring? So literally, I'm like, I'll bring this. So I grabbed a little conduit box out of the spares uh, bin. And then I added some conduit and I primed it. I primed it like 930 at night, set it out, let it dry, grabbed it at three in the morning and ran to the airport. And then when I got to the hotel, I pulled out my seven, you know, six, seven colors, most of which came in the box. I had three brushes and I find it just incredibly relaxing. And when I look at it today, it's like, damn, I made a lot of progress over like just three or four days of an hour to two hours uh, a night in the hotel. And that's taken my time. I mean, I could have probably rushed this and got a lot further, but uh, it took time to pick out bricks and the, you know, other features on the facade. So again, I, I think to regain some momentum and mojo, it's finding something that I can make progress on very, very rapidly and show something that can, you know, really, 
you know, again, just just show progress, show some victories and learn something too. I think that's probably uh, one of the most important things too, is during this, I'm like, well, let's try this technique. Let's try this. What about these colors? Uh, let's try this brush. And I found that uh, during this, it's it's kind of exciting. You see it come together. You take progress shots throughout the way and you're like, oh, let's tweak it here. Let's tweak it there. And at, again, at the end of the day, it's it's all about having fun. It's all about experimenting and learning. And that's what I find to get the mojo back. Because now I'm already thinking, I'm like, okay, I got the other facade. What am I going to do here? I learned this there. I had never really painted bricks before. And just with two simple colors. And I, and I, and I, and I swear, you know, yes, we're going to have a group build for the AK facades. I bought these before we were graciously provided them. And this is not just a marketing pitch. It is truly a pitch on if you want to learn a specific technique, this will let you do that. I had never really painted bricks before. I had not a really clue on what colors to use. Now, Granite Night Shift and a few others, you know, Rick included, show what colors you can use to achieve brick, you know, brick colors and whatnot in videos. But like it, it, there was something about this set where they literally, these two colors, I'm going to read them out, medium flesh tone and medium rust, two colors that I would not associate with bricks. But through mixing them in different consistencies. And then also I, I'll, I'll add, I put a drop of black in one as well. You can use these three colors to have a multitude of brick colors. And this simple little book, these three simple paints can really allow you to learn a lot in a very short amount of time. And I am confident now that I actually want to look at, okay, what do I have in my stat? I know I have some, not facades, but like diorama stuff. What are other brick things that I can use to use these paints and the techniques I've learned? So long story short, it's finding something that I can easily make progress and gain victories on, learn something, and then be able to apply it on something else. And I think I'll, I'll end with, I know it works when I'm inspired and incredibly motivated to go do something else. Um, And in this case, it's that brick texture and I can't wait to try it again. So all, if you want to learn, you know, this is, this is one simple product that will allow you to, uh, you know, jump into something that's new. And honestly, it has everything you need uh, in terms of those basic foundational colors. Yeah, that's, that's 100% correct, John. That's great. And I really do appreciate that. That's, that's what it is. And speaking of, you know, the facades that we've been all been talking about, I want to say that if you don't know already, the Plastic Posse is going to be doing the AK facades for a group build, generously donated by AK Interactive, helped through by Rick Lawler, who is a fantastic person himself. And, you know, and I want to bring this up is that John just gave a great example. Um, Myself, I've got one, I've got the, the, hotel or bookstore the bookstore uh one it's you know and john said he's going to do his as an old hobby store which is great i want to do one more as a bookstore itself so i've been looking for boxes of books and stuff like that and i i love the i love the fact that like people have said already is that it, it's an all-in-one box it comes with everything you need it comes with brushes it comes with you know it comes with what you need to be, and do it and like john was saying about the paints you can mix and color the paints you get a perfect facade you might add something here or there i've seen a couple that are on ak where they've added she added graffiti onto them which looks really good uh and stuff like that and and, uh, and it's really it, to me it's it's such a good little idea to 
clean the you know clean the palette and practice on something that you don't usually do because it's put together for you already basically and you just come in and you start painting which is another fantastic idea and there's so much you could do with it you can make a shadow box with these you can you can do it just as a plane you can add it to a diorama if you wanted to you know a british truck driving down the road you know post world war ii or something like that you know but there's so much you can do with these things and i really do appreciate it. i want to get you know, I want to get Scott's and I want to get Doug's and I want to get Rick's idea how they think about it. What, what are they thinking? So, Scott, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think you you guys have really highlighted um, sort of uh, what I think is really exciting about this. So this podcast will drop on uh, August 30th. We're just going to start September 1st. We'll create a group build on the site. Rick will be um, has been kind enough to uh, be voluntold that he's joining us for the <laughs> for this particular group build. Um, so we're excited to have him. But uh, we want to invite all of our listeners out there. Um, if this is something that you guys would like to try you, you can kind of maybe capture capture the spirit of of what rick uh taught a bunch of us at nats with um regards to let's build a base well let's just do it well these facades are i think kind of a similar concept and so uh, if you'd like to join along you can just join the group build uh post photos and then we'll all post photos in the folders as well and uh we we, we hope to have you join us but like these guys have said it's really really great the ak gen 3 uh paints that it uh, that it comes with are really really easy to use and i think it's going to be uh, a lot of fun so anyway uh rick uh, maybe uh give us some of your thoughts on this well first off i've got to say you guys are jumping the gun i'm so disappointed <laughs> i listen guys i i i was sent my facade you know as as one of my samples let's get this work out rick from the mothership uh god in may or something like that and then we started talking about putting this group bill together so i set mine in the closet and haven't touched it <laughs> somewhere along the way i received we we decided to confirm this group build and i receive a nice box of all these facades that i distribute to you folks but i still haven't touched mine I'm patiently waiting for the official go whistle, the starting gun. And now I'm being shown these examples on screen under JB and everybody else that busted <laughs> that. Oh, I take him to my hotel room and I take him to the bathroom. I, I got another one friend. to start. <laughs> <laughs> so, ah, oh, geez. Okay. So let's get that out of the way. Therapy done. We're ready to go. We're, we're, we're still friends. Uh, well, first off, this, uh, you know, I got to say, I'm excited about this. Obviously, I've been wanting to get get going on one of these since I first saw them early on. This is right up my alley, same as that rock thing I was talking about earlier. These are palette cleansers. Everybody's kind of already explained how everything's included. If you want to add more like JV did, you could add awnings to these things. You could do all sorts of things. You could do whatever. And you could be, and this is what I'm looking most forward to. And I think JB kind of encapsulated this when he was talking about, you know, painting bricks, which to kind of expanding his uh, skill level base and his little sphere of good stuff he does and how that translates to other things. And this is a perfect example, again, of how to do something like that. Um, I've got some ideas in my head of, of painting styles that I want to try to to work with that are totally different than, let's say, not necessarily realistic. Um, I'm taking my influence from some other places and see if I could kind of expand my painting skills that way and do something a little diff bit a little, little bit different. So I'm looking forward to doing that. What's the worst case happens? I just give it another coat of primer and I just start again, you know. So um not that big of a deal. But I'm glad to be working on this. Um 
I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I, Scott, do you know how long this we're going to let this run on the group build? I said September 1st start. Just want to get the word out to people. So like a 30 yeah, day I mean, thing. I, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe let's go 60 days on it. Uh, you know, okay. people get busy. There's the Operation Overlord that's going on. People are still, you know, there's still the big Telford show in the fall and and a whole bunch of other regional shows that are going on. So, yeah, let's let's call it two months. Does that sound good, Rick? Yeah, that sounds really good. And that, that allows people, I've, I've given a heads up uh, on some sites and some of my friends uh, that we're going to be working on this. I didn't have the start date yet, and I haven't started yet, <coughs> JB. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that allows everybody time to, to order in their kits as well. And uh, at least on Patreon, I've given some links, at least domestically in the US, of some places they can do it. Worldwide, of course, you can go directly to the AK website. And I've heard great things about shipping. Oftentimes, it's faster and even cheaper than going domestically. So um, that's a great place. Both versions are there. It's an easy search. Just look for um, facades, AK facades or something like that on their website, and it'll pop up. As been talked about, the kits are fairly inclusive. I think there's, what, five or six Gen 3 colors, a primer, two brushes, the facade itself, uh, about a eight, 10 page little instructional booklet that kind of gives you some examples on how to paint things. It's a pretty comprehensive little little package. And I think people should enjoy this. And I'm looking forward to seeing what everybody ends up posting. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put somebody on the spot here, Cliff, after uh, seeing your uh, Mac entry. I, I, I mean, I would love to see you bring your level of creativity to one of these things. Is this something you might be interested in? I've already thought of hashtag blame Banani across the wall. So yeah, <laughs> I love it. You know, uh, one thing I'll add, uh, you know, Rick mentions the little books that came with them. I think that's one of the best parts too. Uh, you know, we often see in modeling publications, it's like painting the owl or painting the horse where, you know, you go from a stick figure to a finished, well-shaded owl. And I can confidently say, you know, these little books uh, do a really good job. You know, I think there's anywhere between, you know, 12 and 13 steps for each one. And they, they do a good job not only showing you in photographs what the process is, but also some basic descriptions too. So I've actually followed it pretty much to the letter so far uh for the for the brick one i'll just i'll just say i'm on step nine i know that doesn't mean much but um i've followed it to a t in terms of painting the bricks weathering the uh facade with the streaking grime they provide so after this dries i might do a little bit of dry brushing and then the last two steps three steps on this are actually materials that aren't included as rick said you get about probably 80 to not probably 90 percent of what you need and then the things that you need to bring in are, are to be honest, if you're if you're an average modeler, you probably have this stuff, and that's you know your basic mud pigments and dirt pigments. And then in terms of like dust, any flesh tone, dust tone, buff tone will do to help pick out those the the masonry between the bricks. And then you know to cap it off, some slimy grime. But you know what? By the time this episode drops. Mine should be complete and I'll just share, you know, I'm going to do a hobby shop. So I will label my boxes inside with like 135th scale tanks and airplanes, probably some other things I'll write on them. And then for the facade itself, uh, I'm going to 
you know, do on the ledge. I'll, I'm going to use some moss from Woodland Scenics. And then I've decided by the gutter or the drain pipe in the corner, I'm going to build a little bird's nest, I think, and try to put some Ooh. eggs in it and then get some 35th scale. I'm either going to 3D print them or I'm headed to Colpar today. And if they have the pigeon set from MiniArt, I'm going to buy a couple of them and I'll put them on the ledge uh, above the door. And then I might put some on the top and then, you know, integrate some bird droppings and I don't know, just try to have fun with it. As Rick said, I think these are so cool. And, you know, I think you can enter them at a show too. put them in miscellaneous. You know, it's not about just the, it's not about building. It's about finishing in my mind. And and this is super cool. What I am going to look for as well. And if I find something, I'll let everyone know, I'll hit up the local Michaels or Hobby Lobby and try to find a shadow box size. Yep. Uh, that way, you know, I'll, I'll hang it on my wall in, uh, in the workshop. But again, these are just cool. I, and I'm truly saying that they're, they're just so neat. You can get them, a, get a primer coat. Literally, you don't need an airbrush for them either. If you don't have an airbrush, literally just rattle can it gray. They do give you primer. But again, if you don't have an airbrush to use, just rattle can it gray. And then I've painted it all by hand. And it the Gen 3 paints cover really well. They're incredibly forgiving. Yeah, I'll, I'll stop talking because I feel like, uh, you know, people are going to be like, I was paid to say this, but I truly wasn't. Um, <laughs> I've just had that much fun using them. And I would highly recommend uh, anybody along the way to do it. That said, if you want to join in the facade group build and maybe you don't have the means to get one, feel free to carve stuff out of foam. That goes back to Rick's course that he taught at the IPMS Nationals. And there's plenty of examples online where you can get some insulation foam. Rick certainly walks through it. There's also Night Shift and a few others, but feel free to carve away. And then using acrylic paints, you should have no issue at all in terms of reactions. And then you can you can do that too. So uh, plenty of options for people out there to join and uh, learn a little bit. So I'll, uh, I'll pass it back to Grant. All right. That's great, JB. Thanks a lot. Um, yeah, there's, you know, Madman Mike's another good guy that shows you how to uh, a lot of carving. I just want to throw a spot out to him too. He does some great, great work. All right. So upcoming model shows, Scott, what do you got for us? Yeah, thanks, Grant. Well, we've got a couple uh, right away. Uh, Ventura County IPMS and IPMS 101 Wonders presents their very first annual WonderCon. That's going to be in Oxnard, California, the Murphy Auto Museum, September 9th. So uh, if you're in that Southern California area, make sure you get out there. I think Grant's going to be there. So, uh, you know, he's a He's a very attractive uh, guy. You're going to want to go meet him, get an autograph, you know, pictures with the kids, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, uh, but we, but we do have a table this year. So we are, we'll be selling, uh, we will not selling. We'll be giving away stickers and a whole bunch of stuff. So come see me. Uh, we, we got him counseling. He, he hasn't bitten anybody for like a year. So you should be good. Um, also on September 9th, we have the Boise IPMS Fall Show up in Boise, Idaho. Uh, JB and I will be there as well as a bunch of uh, my friends here in uh, Utah. Um, so anybody in that region, that's a great show, um, longstanding show. Uh, Brian Geiger and uh, Jeremy Elliott and the guys up there, it's a great group. So if you can support them. Uh, we have the Central Arkansas Scale Modelers Sec 22nd Annual Show that September 29th and 30th in the Jacksonville Community Center, which is a few miles northeast of Little Rock. Uh, you go to that. You can uh, uh, look at seminars by Jim Rice, Rusty Nell, and our friend Ken Childress. So I think that sounds like a cool one. Uh, IPMS Orange Con in Buena Park, California. That's October 1st. We've got Pat Con, which is Sunday, October 1st at the Hudson Elks Lodge in Hudson, Massachusetts. And then we have Pax Con, a.k.a. Geek Fest. 
um hollywood volunteer fire department hollywood maryland on october 7th that's their first ever show so please uh, show up and support them if you're in that area um we uh, hope that goes really really well for them uh we have uh, the ipms vancouver fall show that's at the bonsoir recreation complex in burnaby uh, british columbia on october 7th Real yeah. quick, I think of uh, anybody going to that Vancouver show, a bunch of us from the Pacific Northwest, me, myself included, are going to be heading up to that show as well. So awesome. about, about four or five of us between Oregon and Washington heading up that direction. Awesome. Man, be awesome. Sounds like you guys are going to have a really great time. Also on the 7th, we have the Reno IPMS High Rollers show. That's uh, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. You can go to renohighrollers.com for more info on that. October 14th, we have IPMS Duneland 2023 show. You can uh, contact John Fluck for, uh, for more details, but that'll be at the Hobart Moose Lodge in Hobart, Indiana. We have Capcom at the Canadian War Museum in Ottawa on October 14th. I, I want to give an extra plug for Capcom. If you're in the area, please go. The show will be great, but the museum is unbelievable. I had the luxury of visiting it about 10 years ago. They have a Panther tank and a bunch of other World War II armor. Beautiful location in downtown Ottawa. Highly, highly recommended. Definitely go to that show. Check out the museum. Support the club. And I think Evan uh, Panzermeister 36. 36 will be there and looks to be an awesome show. So I wish I could go bottom line. Awesome. You you can see all the details over at IPMSOttawa.com. We have a scale model challenge in Eindhoven across the uh, pond there, October 14th and 15th. And uh, a few of the posse will be there as well as uh, international celebrities such as the Sam Dwyer. Obviously, that's uh, kind of one of the premier events in the world. So that'll be really, really great. Uh, Looking forward to seeing some reports from our guys from that show. We have uh, the MMSI show in Chicago, um, in Schaumburg, Illinois. That's October 20th and 21st. Uh, Grant and I will be going to that. That's an amazing event. If you're in that area, I'd encourage you to go. Uh, Bay Colony Modelers Club uh, presents Baycon 2023. That is Sunday, November 5th in Franklin, Massachusetts. Um, and then, of course, uh, Scale Model World in Telford, uh, Shropshire, United Kingdom, November 11th and 12th. And uh, our very own Mr. Jensen Taylor will be in attendance at that. So you'll want to go meet him. You know, I don't, I don't think he's going, Scott. He's not going to go? <laughs> I know I know. John Everett's going, but I'm, I'm, not sure. I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure. I think we should just commit him, you know? Yeah. yeah. Just make Show him go. Out. He's yeah. going. Yeah. Make him going now. You are Show- going. We've told yeah. everyone now. Show up. <laughs> Show up at the table, uh, have a signed free hugs, you know, um, uh, I, th- I think you ought to be there. Okay. Well, we, we, we hope Jensen will be there. We'll and, see. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> Scott, I want to go back real quick. I, I think there's an opportunity for the Bay Colony Modelers Club to uh, just call it Bacon 2023 and just have the show <laughs> themed around bacon. Um, just there's an opportunity there. I'm just saying. Well, if you're talking about marketing, I think the demographic is right there. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, that's a that's a pretty full calendar. Uh, hopefully, that's everything we've been sent. If you guys have additional shows or events you'd like us to talk about, please send them to us. If we've missed any, we apologize. Uh, we'll try and uh, get them for you next time. But anyway, uh, lots of events. Uh, pretty much doesn't matter where you are. It looks like there's a great show or an event that you can attend. So uh, get out there, um, go see your friends, and uh, have a good time. All right, everybody. Thanks, Scott. That was great. And like he said, there's a lot of great shows out there for everybody to attend. All right. We're going to go over to feedback from Doug. What do you got, Doug? Well, we have a bunch this week, but uh, I think we're pressed for time. So I'm going to going to start with with just a couple of short things. I want to thank everybody, first of all, in the posse for uh, shouting out our spam when we get spammed, helping us shoot down these uh, these people that are trying to to uh, market posse stuff on our page and other things that isn't official. Um, so we really appreciate it. So thanks guys. Um, Jake McKee wanted us to know that the guy that Evan won a raffle from was him. So oh. that was Jake McKee. Lee, Lee Fogel. Actually, we just kind of talked about this. You guys ever just sit and be for lack of a better word, paralyzed at your bench. Well, <laughs> Lee, uh, yes, we have. And we've just discussed it. So Awesome. David Johnson is going to be in San Antonio from New Zealand sometime probably in October, and he's looking for hobby shops. And maybe we can see if there's any posse members around there that want to show him around. Um, just a thought. Yeah, um, make, make sure, David, make sure you check out Lionheart Hobby in Kyle. Um, it's a little bit uh, from San Antonio, but not uh, not that far at all. And uh, uh, David is a is a great guy, long-term listener. And uh, obviously, he was in, involved with Wingnut Wings. Um, really, really excellent modeler. So I hope he has a good time in uh, Texas. Uh, make sure whatever rental car you have has a great air conditioner in it. It's going to be October, so it won't be as bad as August was. <laughs> anyway, and um, also make sure you go to Bucky's. Just just walk through a Bucky's just once and and have that experience. Um, real quick, uh, this isn't real quick. Brian O'Donohue from the UK sent. He's just been listening to the podcast. He was building Matchbox as a kid. He had the multiple colors of plastic, and it was kind of what what got him into uh, the hobby. He goes to model shows to meet friends, especially Telford, uh, when he goes home with a sore throat. And I understand that because we uh, we all had sore throats after every day at Nats. Yep. We talked and talked. It was wonderful. Uh, but time to catch up with friends from across the globe to see amazing models and look at the latest shiny things for us to buy. As a veteran, I always enjoy discussions about colors as modern modelers often have fixed ideas of what a color should be that may not reflect the colors they used. Amen, brother. <laughs> anyway he loves the pod and uh he who sends us his best wishes that's that's what i'm going to share for today um there was a lot more that that people said sent and their discussions on the facebook page were wonderful um if you're not a member of our facebook page the plastic posse group page on facebook you really should be remember that you can send your feedback and suggestions to us via email at plastic posse podcast at gmail.com so i'm gonna pass it over to scott real quick and he's gonna talk to one of our uh, our special guests so go ahead scott all right. Well, uh, in the hot seat today, uh, uh, we got the lights turned on. Uh, Grant's holding the rubber hose. We have the one and only Cliff Herring. Uh, Cliff, uh, thanks for uh, spending some time with us today. Thanks for having me. It is a hot seat. It's hot in Texas. <laughs> yeah, man, that's for sure. Uh, you know, we we talked uh, in our last episode uh, sort of at length about uh, your amazing machine and Krieger kit. 
um, and all of the Easter eggs. So I, I want to start this out with sort of a question for you. You know, when I start a project, you sort of have all the modeling and the painting and finishing aspects of it. But I mean, what's it like um, incorporating then sort of another level of modeling and coming up with these ideas of Easter eggs and sort of planning, you know, how that's going to look on your model? It, in this case, it started at the beginning. I've done little Easter eggs on some other builds that were just, it's one or two, you don't really see them. But when this started, I thought it'd be really cool to do something because it was a posse group build and incorporate Easter eggs that paid homage to you guys who do this every two weeks. And I really enjoy the podcast. I'm an old guy. I'm not the podcast generation. But when I started listening to it, I was like, man, this is just, this is awesome. So I wanted to give you guys some respect. And so before the build actually even really started, I just started writing things down. I think I sent you a picture of a post-it note where I had written down where every state everyone was from. And I was like, well, I can just incorporate into the camo or something, except for Grant, who lives in California. And it's so weirdly shaped. But I was like, I'll just deal with that later. So it really started before I started gluing plastic together. I was going to make some notes and then notes from different episodes. And I was going to put that into the build. And this all exploded in my brain. It was going to be this diorama with all these different things in it. And then I forgot just how slow I build. So it ended up being just the mech suit. There was no diorama with thousands of Easter eggs because that's what was the original plan was. And I have stuff written down, but it started from the onset. It wasn't something where I started the project and then decided it was all part of the build. Well, that's uh, that's amazing. I mean, all the details, you know, some of them were part of the construction, you know, uh, serial numbers and everything. And then obviously some of them were paint. I love the overlay of Orion and Virginia for TJ. I mean, just, uh, you know, we, we've talked about that, but Cliff, let's back up a little bit. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, your modeling kind of where, you know, where did it start and what are the things that inspire you and what do you like to build? It started as a kid. Always loved military stuff. G.I. Joe, the army. It's, it's why I went into the army when I got older, but model as a kid and, and it's echoed in a lot of other people's stories. You know, when I got older, high school girls and cars and all those things and then join the army and then you hit adulthood and at some point you just I know a lot of guys come back to it later than life it never really left me which is kind of weird because whether I was playing golf or I played professional paintball for a while if I was at a Barnes and Noble looking at a paintball magazine I would slide over and pick up a modeling magazine so it's just it's always been there and I think that's probably true for a lot of the guys who who leave the hobby for a number of years and then eventually come back for me it never left me i was always interested in it i just it took until now to pick it back up i gotta jump in real quick scott cliff tangent time tell me about paintball tell me what gun you were running and uh <laughs> yeah you gotta share a little bit it's been a long time since i played some paintball it's been a long long time since i played but i played on the professional circuit back in the early to mid nineties and I was shooting an autococker. Oh man. Classic. Yes. Yeah. Shot an autococker 1994 world champs. Damn son. With the Houston heat. Yeah. I actually That's have a awesome. flag. I have a flag over there hanging on the wall that belonged to the Ironman of California. They were like, just the Super Bowl champs of paintball back then. And we beat them in a tournament. So that's hanging up there. Wow. But yeah, it's a, uh, like I said, I, I played golf for a number of years and, and I always went back to the magazine rack and picked up a fine scale modeler or something and just something kicked. And it was like, you know, now it's time to get back into what you've loved your whole life. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to jump in myself. I know you did the maquette and I see the Boba Fett behind you, but what, you know, <laughs> what do, do you do any other 
models? You, are you strictly sci-fi or do you jump around a little bit? No, I call myself an armor guy and I was in the infantry. You were a scout. Yep. But I, I love I love tanks. I've loved them since yeah. I was a kid. And when I started playing World of Tanks, that's what makes up half my stash. <laughs> this Panther 2s and Waffentragers and all this weird stuff you see. That kind of got me back into the hobby. But my last few builds have been sci-fi. I got an yeah. ATSD over there. I got a speeder bike. And then the Mach K kit, which is John Bonani's fault. Blame Bonani. <laughs> <laughs> he Hashtag. posted the Hashtag. yeah he posted the uh sale on sprue brothers i was like oh hey that's one of those mock a kits i gotta get one of those and then it showed up my wife's like you bought another one and i was like well john panani <laughs> told me to buy it so i i bought it and just so happened the group build was machining Krieger. so it all worked out you know i guess uh i, I mean i know doug's uh doug's chomping at the bit to talk bandai star wars with you but um <laughs> i think i think you you and i have a lot in common you know i say i'm an armor guy too but really deep down inside i'm really more of a science fiction guy and i, I tend to love really subjects that blend the blend the line between those two genres that's really great stuff it's killing me because ahsoka just came out too so i really want to build a tank but now i want to build a spaceship <laughs> I want to build something Star Wars again. It's killing me. Know that feeling. Go ahead, guys. This- uh, it's all right. Yeah, go. I, well, you know, we talked about, you know, your your military career. You said you were in the infantry. Uh, just a personal question. Where'd you serve at? I served in Korea for mm-hmm. a year, and then I went to Fort Polk, Louisiana. Oh, I am so sorry. Yeah, so was I. Um, <laughs> yeah, I went to I was I went to airborne school. Right. I wanted to go to ranger school. And they told us, like, well, when you get to airborne school, just tell me you want to be a ranger and they'll take you. And throughout my army career, <laughs> every time I asked for something, it was like, well, sure, we can we can do it as long as you're not going to Korea. So going yeah. to Korea kept me from going to ranger school. And then I did my year there. And it was actually some pretty high speed stuff over there. But when I got to Fort Polk, we went from the, the brand new winter gear and the Gore-Tex to not Gore-Tex. We went from M16A2s to M16A1s and 113s. I was like, I, I built these as a kid. What's going on? But, uh, you know, we ended up going to Panama mm-hmm. as part of Fifth ID. So it wasn't all bad, but that that was my career, was the first, right. the 506th in Korea, and then Fifth ID in, in Louisiana. 1506, is that is that Rakasans or? No, is, that's the Kurhees. Kurhees, that's, that's right. Okay, that's sorry. the same battalion as uh, Band of Brothers. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Sorry. I did I did a year in Korea myself. I went to Casey, Camp Casey. Which oh, is, yeah. Yeah, I got lucky. I really did. You did. I, I was at I Greaves. Did. I was oh. at Greaves on the Z, yeah. Yeah, you were on the DMZ then. Yes, sir. <laughs> you were way up north. That's that's great. North yeah. the river, yes. Yeah, yeah. First out front, always, you know, kind of stuff out there. But uh, yeah, you know, we 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 talked about we, we've got a lot. We've tasted a lot of the same dust. Let's just put it that way. You know, airborne school, Korea, and all those kind of stuff. Been to Louisiana a couple times, but for JRTC, but not a station there. So I, I definitely, definitely uh, feel sorry for people that have been stationed there. I know some people love it, but I don't know. Those people are probably the same people that build you know, crazy stuff too, but you know, it's know. crazy. Oh, I don't know either. It's crazy. There, it's crazy there, but you know, I'm sorry. We, we got off track here. We always ask this question for everybody. You know, what is your Magnus Opus build? If you could do anything, you had all the time in the world and you had no financial issues and you could build whatever you want. What would that be? It would probably be the perfect gray millennium Falcon. <laughs> well, I mean, one of those would be the, the Edelweiss. It's a fantasy tank. And yep. I actually, I have that kid. I picked it up a couple of years ago on eBay. Oh, wow. Wow. So I have it and it's a lot of masking and I just keep looking at it going, yeah, not today. 
<laughs> but the perfect grade Millennium Falcon would probably be my Magnus Opus build. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. That's that's up there on my list too. So and take me ten years to do so. Yeah, <laughs> you have one. You have one, Cliff. Oh, Doug. No, I Doug, no, I don't. Doug's throwing down now. Doug, Doug's just throwing <laughs> it out there, showing off his. So <laughs> one, one of oh, one yeah. of his two that yeah. he has. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not that he's not that he's bragging at all, but you know he's not bragging at all. <laughs> yes, yes, Cliff. I want to talk about you know the Posse Group. You know we have a bunch of incredible modelers in there and everything, but uh, man, you are always kind of right in the middle of things. You're always posting really you know inspiring pictures of your own builds, commenting on everything. I mean, you've really kind of become a big part of that community. How, how do you, how do you uh, you know feel about that community and what motivates you to be such a such a a big part of it. Well, you guys, for one, you guys have never seen me in traffic. I am a completely different person. But with the posse, it's in middle school. I modeled with my best friend. We are best friends to this day. I have a copy of Shep Payne's How to Build Dioramas that he bought me after I got back into it. Uh, we did a history fair project in junior high on uh, Operation Valkyrie, the assassination attempt on Hitler's life. That picture hangs over there around the corner. So I missed that camaraderie. And Houston's a big city. The IPMS local meetings it's it's over an hour away and the traffic in the town is just it's crazy we're a one car family so i don't get that camaraderie that i get when i was playing paintball or i had a force from playing golf and i can get that through the posse it's one of the, the things that i love the most about it again hashtag blame banani it, it doesn't take two seconds to be positive <laughs> it doesn't take two seconds to hit a like button and tell somebody hey man, that looks great and it doesn't take two seconds to look at something like Spud Murphy's oh, Sherman man. and go, oh, my God, I have a lot of work to do. Oh, yeah. yeah. Freaking baseball yeah, battle. Sure. Yeah, I love the sure. mitt. I love the mitt and the ball. It's just it's it's awesome. It doesn't take two seconds out of your day to look at somebody's work and go, hey, man, you're doing a great job. And just yeah. Yeah. Be I mean, a better I, person. Yeah. I mean, well, well said. I mean, that's really kind of kind of what it's about. You know, um, doesn't matter if you're in Iowa or Florida or someplace in England and you know it, it doesn't matter Jensen nudge nudge we, we're all we all share this love of, of the hobby and and I think that's what makes it work and and then you add in the individual personalities and the modeling and you know see what people bring to the table um, I don't know if you saw pictures of the other entrance in the in the uh, group build but you know having having your your suit there and then some of the other work that we had it's just really amazing to see what sort of i guess different spin everybody brings on in into their builds and and sh shares that with everybody everyone's own interpretation i actually have martin drayton's diorama hanging on my shelf next to my my ammo night which is totally awesome nice nice but yeah just that that when you can't be with other people i mean martin models in a hotel room when you can't be with other people this kind of brings everybody together and that was really the big reason why i jumped in on the group build and it's a big reason why i'm a part of the posse it's uh it's a lot of fun and it connects you with a lot of people and it just adds to the joy we get from the hobby i'll say something here cliff uh, we We've never met in person. Unfortunately, you were sick and, but I did get to see your piece on the table there at the, at the, at the nationals. And of course it stood out and everything. And I'd heard about it before going in and watched a little bit of the posting that you had done, you know, prehand, you know, the paint work and asking people's questions here and there and, and whatever. But I, as we've been working on this conversation, this is kind of a technical thing too, but it has to do with kind of, I think your, your professionalism for lack of a better word in terms of how you approach it. I'm going through your Facebook page as, as the discussion's going on in the background. I have to say, I am absolutely impressed at your presentation on how you post 
your works, uh, your step-by-steps. You know, I did the hands on this day. Uh, I particularly like, because I saw your piece in person, the pe- the photograph you did with all the Easter eggs actually detailed out where they right, are. The map. What, yeah, the map. So helpful. It makes me wish I could go back and see your piece again on the table because I know I missed nearly all of them, you know, because it's, <laughs> it's busy, you're going through quick and you got a table full of them. But just as somebody who's a consumer of great modeling and go through the podcast and fa- or on the Facebook page and such on the Posse, I really do appreciate that level of attention you take in terms of presenting your work in such a great way. And I know that for me, it's inspiring to see good work presented nicely. And I think it makes it much more clear to people to see what you're doing and how you are doing it. And it's instructive to a lot of people as well. So I just want to give you a kind of a thumbs up kudos for that, because that's that's a step beyond that a lot of people don't take. And you, do I really, that. I really appreciate that. And the, the fact that I build so slow gives me the time to do those things. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. You got the Rick, you got the Rick uh, stamp of approval, Cliff there. That's that's the big one right there. Yeah, that means a lot. Thank well, the you, funny thing about that is, is that it goes back to our prior conversation on those moments when I don't feel like building and maybe Cliff, you're in the same ballpark. It's like, well, I can go edit photographs or something, do something right. different that's still model related, but it has to get done at some point. I'll sit on the, you know, sit down, put the TV on or whatever, and just do do some editing and come up with some different ideas. You know, like, like I said, and you're still modeling, you're still making work happen, but it's not the thing that's right now your roadblock. It's it's a different release. You're in the neighborhood. Yeah. So anyway, just wanted to throw my two cents out there. Thank you so much. Hey, I yeah. really do appreciate that, Rick. That that was super nice, man. And like you said, you just got the, the Rick Lawler stamp of approval, Cliff, so you're doing good. No, just maybe what's next for you and over the next few months, what are some projects that you've got to either started or maybe you're working on the planning um, for? I pulled out the Amusing Hobby Panther 2 and the uh, Ryfield Models Panther F and was really going to start on one of those. And like I said, you guys announced the group build for next year's Nats. And I'm not the huge, a huge fan of the Sherman, but I'm like, you know, I really want to be a part of this because being a part of it for the last group, it was so much fun. Then I got online, started looking for inflatable tanks because I think that would be really awesome (laughs) as a DJ project. Oh, just, just go with that. <laughs> so I'm already thinking in my head what what I can do next. <laughs> you know, Cliff, there's also more. I mean, I'm not an allied expert, but there's certainly more than Shermans you can build too for D-Day. Yeah, I got to look around. It's just like when the the first thing that pops in your head, I'm like, well, can I build a motorcycle? Can I build a Sherman or a Sherman or a or Sherman? <laughs> <laughs> I I love the idea of an inflatable tank, though. That makes me want to look on cults to see if there's That's, any CAD stuff out there. For I them. dug around, I didn't find anything, but I didn't dig deep. So I'm gonna keep okay. looking. I thought that would be an awesome little project for the yeah. D-Day yeah. 8th anniversary. Yeah, if you had a big enough build plate, you could print one hollow in 35th. I bet pretty easily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. That's a great idea. And you can also think about there's ducks there, the duck yeah. MCs, you know, the all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Half that's tracks. Half tracks. You know, there were stewards there, M5s. Did the ugliest vehicle on the planet make it? The weasel? Was it was it oh, part of <laughs> Yes, it was. You need to stop your bad mouthing right now. <laughs> Yes, start the nothing, there won't be nothing. No, there won't be no fun now. <laughs> so, no, Cliff, was a I got a question for you. You know, looking at the paint rack behind you, I think it's pretty obvious what you enjoy painting with most. Maybe tell our listeners, you know, just talk about your preferred paint because I'll be honest, it's a. Uh, I think it's a little different than most of us, what we usually talk about. So, curious to hear your perspective and and what makes uh, what makes you enjoy it so much. It, this was a thing about when I got back into the hobby. 
when I, when I painted as a kid, I used model master enamels. That's all I used. And I think I want to say to me, it was just hitting the States back then. And I tried to paint that with, and it is with a brush and it didn't work. So it gave me a kind of a bad taste in my mouth for it. I've since grown up and I know better. When I got back into it, I started like, like there was like 20 different paint brands. And I'm like, what do I use? And everybody had a different opinion on how to thin it, how to use it, what to thin it with. And that was just like way too much information for me. So I am a mission models guy. And I love the fact that it's 10 drops of paint and it's two drops of thinner. And if you want to use the polyurethane, you put one or two drops of that stuff in and you go. And for me, it's just, it's that simple. It, it really is. Mike Rinaldi uses it and he talks about the erasability of it. And if you spray it and just like any other water-based acrylic, if you spray it in thin, wet coats, the adhesion is, is pretty darn good. You see guys online and they, they have problems with it and you don't know what they're doing. But a lot of times I see guys are spraying it on dry. And if it scratches off, oh, the paint's bad. The paint's not bad. You know, it's just, it's what I love. And some people say that it's complicated. And for me, I use it because it is simple. It is literally 10-3-2. 10 paint, 2 to 3 thinner, 2 poly, and you're painting. And you can adjust from there. And that's why I like it. Well, that's good that you've got a you got a process. You you got a product that works, and I think for all of us, I think that's the key. If you can get a product that you know and you're familiar with, and you get repeatable uh, results from it, what more could you ask for? Repeatability, yes. I I think I see some other brands behind you. It looks like you're a VMS junkie as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like the VMS stuff. Yeah, I haven't used half of that stuff yet, really, but they're. Their clear coats are awesome. They are awesome. Their their CA glues are awesome. Their retarders are awesome. I'm a huge <laughs> fan of their products as well. Yeah, for sure. And then I also got to call out since your since your rack is right behind you, the classic Wilder paints. <laughs> yeah, I I had to totally ditch all my uh, nitro line enamels. They dried up on me. That's how slow I built. That is how slow I built. I go to pull up a filter and I'm like, oh, it's it's a dry, but it's only two years old. I so yeah. Yeah. But it was tough to kind of see him go. Cause I was, a, I was a real big fan of his products. Yeah. Yeah. But you got to do good. what's best for you. Exactly. And, wh- and while we're creeping on your bench, uh, we got a little Boba Fett action back there. Man, I got Boba Fett action. That I got a phone holder and <laughs> a little stitch that I'm working on for my wife. And I got a snow speeder over there on my paintbrush rack. And yeah, I'm a, I'm an armor builder. <laughs> there I don't you know go. if you guys there can see go. this up here, but oh wow, oh, yeah, nice. you're an armor builder. Yeah, my Star Wars stuff and oh yeah, lots of olive drab on that bench. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's great, Cliff. We really appreciate you joining us today, and it's been a fun time talking to you. You know, and like I said, it's you know. Being a veteran and you're a veteran, I really appreciate your service. And, you know, I'm glad that you can help us and we'll help you. And we're always there for you guys. Always. All right. Thanks, man. Grant, before we before we cut it off, uh, Cliff, uh, you know, all of us said this before we left, but one of the only things we left unresolved after Texas Nats was we didn't get to meet you and yeah. shake your hand. That was so it. we got to get that on our to-do list. Uh, yeah. So, you know. Yeah. So, Did you guys uh, get your beer mm-hmm. at the barbecue? Oh, yes. Yes, we did. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yes, we did. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, Matt. JB drunk it all. Yeah. Well, Matt, <laughs> Matt got myself and TJ a beer. So, yes. Oh, that's thank cool. You. Okay. Thank you for reminding me. I appreciate I mean, that. $30 to go to waste. So. Oh, <laughs> man. John, was, I got to ask, Bonani, I got to ask you, what did you think of the Funfetti? Uh, on the suit? Yes. 
is badass, man. Jeez. <laughs> like that that's what I'm talking about. Let's I think we can definitively say on this show that you're the only modeler on the planet that has integrated some sort of baked good into the camouflage <laughs> pattern of not only any model, but a sci-fi mo- like you have set the standard and have established yourself as truly a unique individual. I think that's, you know, maybe this is what we can start. Uh, you know, when we look at Guinness Book of World Records, we'll start the posse book of world modeling records. You are the <laughs> first eggs. and only for not only Easter eggs, but baked goods, states as well integrated yep. into the camouflage pattern. Um, you know, coach. Postal codes, white crayons, uh, literally everything. <laughs> and you left out Crayola, so there's no copyright issues That's there. Right. <laughs> That's exactly. right. Um, I have to I throw do... this in there. The snake that you threw on there looks exactly like my favorite snake in the world, which is the bull snake. Oh, which, I so page. it was perfect. I yeah, I stalked your Facebook page for some pictures. And then I think I freaked Jensen out when I messaged him. I was like, hey, we're... we're What's your area code? What's your address? <laughs> Where do you live? Where do you live? <laughs> he lives in Preston. <laughs> you, read Facebook, of... you read it on Facebook Messenger as why, but you hear it in your head as why? <laughs> I'm right JB outside likes your to door. call it depressed him. <laughs> hey, yeah. man, I found a book on it. <laughs> a, a, a book on Preston buses on the other side of the world in Denver. This is what it made it a lot sense. of fun to do. This right here is just absolutely, absolutely. I mean, this and- this is. I mean, this is what it's all about. I mean, this hobby is fun anyway. But you know, you've taken that fun up about threefold notches <laughs> here. Um, I do have to ask though. Um, this this model, are you protecting it adequately? Is it in a, a fireproof safe of some kind? Is there, I mean, are we making sure that it's going to be, you know, the safety is going to be ongoing? It's uh, it's sitting up there next to Martin's uh, Groberhoon. So it's oh. not in a case, but it's, it's safe. <laughs> no cats in this room. There you I'm, I'm good. <laughs> That's good. I think, That's good. you know, the favorite part about the whole thing, Cliff, was as the buildup was going, you know, you, you would, there's Easter eggs all over it, but you would also you know, uh, what am I looking for here? The right word. You'd tease us online. You'd post just a piece here and there. Uh, and it was really cool. And I love the graphic that you made that calls out all the little Easter eggs. Cause I actually think I missed a few of them throughout the build. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, dang, man, he went all out. So yeah. <laughs> I think the posse definitely owes you one. And I mean, if at all possible, if you could try to make it to Madison, or to be honest, a lot of us are going to be at Amps as well. Going to try to make it to Wisconsin, and okay. you know, maybe in January when a uh, Winter Blitz comes around to College Station at the Museum of the American GI. I yeah. think you guys saw that last year. If it's in anybody's schedule, maybe a couple of guys could come down for that. That would be awesome. Where does one fly into if I was going to that show? I, I will find out for you. Okay. It's college station. It's a college town. So there's got to be an airport nearby. Okay. But yeah, that's next January. And that's going to be a, a neat little show. The museum is just worth it in and of itself. All right. I'm in. I, uh, <laughs> 
I see round trip flights from Denver for two hundred and fifty dollars. It, it, it so. takes JB no convincing. <laughs> it's just like yeah, you had to, you had, you, we're gonna yeah. have tanks. Yeah. Yeah, oh, there's, there's a new show in. Oh, so I can get a flight there. <laughs> well, that's the benefit of living in Denver. You can literally yeah. fly anywhere in the states well, for under three hundred dollars. It's. I don't know if JB knows. He almost got the Boom logo on the shoulder pauldron instead of. Uh, oh. oh man! Oh man! Yeah, see, that could have gone at the Boom headquarters then. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it was just the whole copyright. That was like, I don't know if he wants yeah. that associated. And yeah, but I, was, I was talking actually talking to TJ, and I'm like, I don't know, maybe I'll just do Funfetti. And I think that kind of like he was like, Oh, Funfetti, yeah. that's Dude. that's peak peak yeah. Easter egg. And you know, maybe uh, I feel like a group build before we go to Madison or or an initiative is. Uh, Maybe throw an Easter egg out there for you in one of our builds, and yep. all of us can do That'd be that. Kinda cool. So yep. we'll we'll pick up a a cliffism and yeah. uh, <laughs> Jensen right now is rubbing his hands together. So uh, what's your address? <laughs> <laughs> He's already looked at his you know Twitter handle and dark web presence. So, uh, <laughs> Just paint fire and call it Texas, and you'll be good. <laughs> Seriously. Knowing that you play well, paintball you- and golf, we can definitely do something oh, there. Yeah. 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 Well, I know you have the greatest taste in dogs. So is that. <laughs> All six of them. I cannot believe they haven't barked yet. Oh, <laughs> you have six dogs. Six dogs. Yeah, that, that's my wife right there. But uh yeah, they're all they're all rescue, so oh, man, good. Good, good. Can't complain. What man. are what breed? We have two Frenchies. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, we nice. have an American pit, American bulldog mix. Uh-huh. We have an American we have a bulldog American boxer mix, and then we have two English bulldogs. Oh, wow. oh man, yes. awesome! Nice. Just there nice. you go. Oh, nice. The greatest, the greatest dogs ever. <laughs> so I think uh, Jensen just uh, found his, you know, occupation to get a green card in the United States. He can be your well, dog sitter. Become a dog. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, we love the dogs, man. The dogs are awesome. Except That's for the dog great. here on my bench. <laughs> and how many cats do you have? Oh, okay, okay. I thought sure. I heard a my, cat earlier. Now, my sister-in-law, who who stays with us, she has two, so we oh. have cats in the house. Okay, okay. But uh, we're we're nice. you know, we're not gonna. Yeah, we have cats, but they're not our cats. Okay, okay. Cat, cats not allowed in Cliff's area, though. No, no. 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 <laughs> Ask TJ why that is. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, That's there's right. a Sher- there's a Sherman out there that understands that real closely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Cliff. That was a lot of, a lot of fun getting to know you better. I can't wait to see uh, what becomes of uh, of this little project. It's awesome. You're a you're a dog guy too. Bonus points for that. But anyway, in all seriousness, joke joking aside, um, fantastic creativity on your suit. Thank you for participating. Thanks for being a cornerstone member of the community. I mean, it's guys like you that make it happen and uh, we really appreciate you. Anyway, um, let's, uh, I I think it's time for the interview, Grant. Uh, What do you think? I think that's a great idea, Scott. All right. Yeah. This time we've got Lincoln Wright. You all remember Lincoln Wright. He's been on the show a couple of times. He's done a couple of great books. He did the Mark 44 book and he has a brand new book that's about ready to come out the next couple of weeks. By the time this episode comes out, it might already be out, but Lincoln's a great friend. And I just uh, want to say, you know, I'm sorry I missed the interview myself, but he's, it was a, from what I understand, it was a great time. 
So, Link, how have you been? Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me back on the show. Absolutely. We've uh, we've all been, been talking still alive. about it. Yes, yes, <laughs> definitely. Grant's going to be very, very disappointed he couldn't meet this. I uh, guess apparently Mother Nature felt like it was important to uh, hit California with a hurricane, a uh, tropical storm today. So I saw the news for that. Like, at first, I, Grant reached out and made mention of this. And I hadn't seen, I hadn't been up to speed on the news yet. And then when I saw it, it's like, it's a bit more than a light storm, isn't it? It looks like they're really, really going to cop it. I hope they're okay. Yeah, they're saying on the news they're going to get between, um, in some places down there, they're going to get between one and two years worth of moisture in 36 hours. Oh, wow. I hope Grant has enough models to get through this. (laughs) (laughs) Might be a little hard because I I think he's lost power already. So yeah. I'll have oh, to wow. do some modeling by candlelight. You know, we're going to get those shots. Now, I, I hope this is seen in good jest, but I want those shots where he's got the headlamp on and the headlamp <laughs> is illuminating through the, the close-up optics so that he can still get work done. We still want you to be productive, Grant. That's right. No excuses, <laughs> man. We'll get a get a photo of him with his headlamp and an exacto in in a little rubber raft out in his backyard. <laughs> Wouldn't this be? Isn't this kind of a best time to be doing post apocalyptic style weathering uh, and groundwork as well? I mean, it'd be really getting into that vibe, right? I, I suspect we'll see a lot of sandbagging in the next diorama. Bringing uh, very very realistic weathering to your model. Yeah. <laughs> I know we're jet, it's all in jest, but hopefully uh, everything's okay, Grant. And um, yeah, hopefully you appreciate a little bit of the gallows humor, which I know you do. So but. that's right. Stay dry, Grant. That's important. Stay dry. Um, so uh, Link, <laughs> how are things? Uh, how are things down under? Uh, it's been a little while since we've had you on the show. Yes, I'm sorry it takes me too long between books to be interesting <laughs> enough to get on the show. So I've been I've been very very busy and very well, thank you. No, you know I'm lying when I say I've been very well because you saw what happened. Yeah, yeah. That's um. I'm glad you brought out the elephant in the room. So we've got that. We've turned the light on. So uh, for all those friends and uh, fans of yours out there, how are you feeling? How are things uh, going for you right now? I'm so happy that I can answer that question without dribbling on myself too much. Despite how dark that sounds, uh, you know, it really did happen. I, I presented to the, the, the ER with uh, blood pressure of 220, 221, and uh, they congratulated me on it. And um, they let me know that I suffered uh, a couple of light strokes, but I'm, I'm okay. So thank goodness um, there was enough left in the tank for me to recover. And I, I guess we're about eight months since, since it all happened. I'm feeling much better. You know, thank goodness. I'm very, I mean, I'm really grateful that, uh, that I'm still here and uh, I've basically been able to bounce back. I'm yeah. good enough to be on the show again. <laughs> well, there we that's, are. that's good we're really really glad to hear it and of course uh i'm sure uh your wife and and your daughter are very very pleased as well it really brings things into perspective for you doesn't it you you know we're we're, we're here for others aren't we so we've really got to do our best for them and that includes not dying <laughs> that's right <laughs> you know we'd hate we'd hate to get to the afterlife and say link you had one job man yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Friends, 
the community was great. You know, I had a lot of <laughs> I, I had a lot of things to reply to, despite being in not a great way. <laughs> so that was the you know the irony. But uh, but I'm really appreciative of it. Thank you very much for it. Yeah, well, we're just glad. And my to... new book doesn't suck because of that. It's actually <laughs> oh, it's better than the other one. That's why I got TJ to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, before we move on to the to the uh, the next book, uh, let's talk about that first book because yeah. beautiful beautiful book. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, a sellout for you. Yeah, you know, as always. I did it all wrong and did not make enough. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it sold out. It sold super well. Uh, the book went very well. And yes, it was a sellout. We've reached that wonderful moment where people are telling me that um, they regret not buying the first one. And I don't know if this is cruel, but it's like, yes, yes. It's like, <laughs> it's like an Emperor Palpatine moment, isn't it? Yes, yes, it was good. There is regret in the universe. I hope that came across as funny. I'm trying to be <laughs> It was meant yeah. to be funny. That's it. Uh, I mean, that's a good problem to have. As as someone who has the book, I'm very fortunate that I have it because it, it is amazing. I had um, some friends over before we went to the IPMS Nationals uh, a couple weeks ago, and I think at least one or two of them had not seen the book in person yet. So I was like, okay. you're in luck. Come down to the basement and uh, peruse to your heart's content. Um, so of course they did, and it was very well received as as it should be because it's fantastic. So this is one of the challenges with doing the. Um, it's like doing bespoke batch ice cream, isn't it? You you can only make so much, and you don't know how much you're going to sell. So it's not a it's not a, a like a common always available type of product. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there are there are there are some significant challenges with that. Having said this, though, based on the the comments, the the number of comments coming back, I am looking at perhaps doing a kind of a, a second edition take on it because there's a couple of models that don't feature in the first one, and I have them, so that could happen. Well, that's good news for the people that you know didn't get the first one. So uh, you know, you mentioned comments, and before I kind of. And the reins over to TJ to talk to you about the the new book. You know, with regards to the feedback that you received, you know, what Link, what did you learn after doing the first book? Like, what did you feel like you really, really hit a home run? American sports, uh, you know, terminology here. What did you feel like you really got right? And maybe what are some things that you found yourself maybe wanting to tweak for this second uh, project? Sure thing. That's a good one. The, uh, despite my accent, I grew up very, uh, US centric, by the way. So I actually played baseball and being a, being a uh, Westerner in Japan, you're actually US by default, despite not having the passport that comes with it. So just wanted to, to let folks know that because yes, I'm a foreigner, but I'm a very close and supportive foreigner. <laughs> uh, lessons learned from the book were many. And this is an interesting, it's a very astute uh, question. Thank you very much. Because the it's a lot like communicating with a with a lander on Mars or Pluto, because the feedback loop is so long between planning something, working on it, and then uh, letting it go wild to reach your your customers, the public. So the balance was very good, was one of the things that came back. But it was, I learned that the, the that was a really good format for putting together a guidebook for a particular model. That one was very clear to me that I'd really, I'd happened to stumble across 
what was a very good balance between the the modeling content, the the how-to, the lore, and the, the gallery volume. Is that a good enough lesson to learn from the first one? The first one was quite, it's nice and concise. The the spread of uh, of content that I've worked on turned out to be quite good. So, uh, but one of the lessons I, I, I did learn from it happened with the previous book because FAQ was being released as we were working on Mark 44. So I learned the, the idea that uh, I really wanted to have friends involved because that was one of the coolest parts of uh, FAQ was having uh, other people featured and being able to talk with them about it. So that was really cool. So one of the big goals for Lunar Combat was to include uh, other artists. A slightly different um, different concept. Did, did I summarize that well enough for you? Mark 44 turned out to be a good guide. The, the, the balance of content was good. Yeah, I really like that. And I really... I, I was really, lonely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, <laughs> we're joking around about it, but I mean, collaboration is something that I think for TJ and I is something that we we really truly value and we get inspiration from each other. You know, we have different ways of doing things. And, um, you know, particularly when you're working with people, the caliber that you worked with on FAQ and the Mark 44, I can see why, why that was so important important to you. Yeah, because the there still was collaboration. I, I, I laugh about being lonely. The um, to start off that one, having Max Watanabe involved was uh, was a fantastic, I guess, gift. So uh, yes, having that collaboration was was wonderful, and I, I very inspiring. Got to learn a lot from it. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Well, y- yes. Interestingly, um... I stopped talking. That was that was that was weird, wasn't it? That was weird. It's it's a little more challenging because you can. I think you can see us. I'm assuming you can see us, but we can't see is you. There, so we're, we're oh, like, is he done? Is he? I'm not? very sorry. Should, should I get the 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 camera? I don't know why the camera hasn't switched on for you. My bad. Stop um, if if you can, if not, it's no big deal. We want to see your handsome face, Link. Come on, just sliding pants on right now. <laughs> <laughs> there we go there we go donald, guy- i was donald ducking it <laughs> there you go I'm, I'm up i'm up to speed on snl <laughs> dj well why don't you uh let, let's uh let's start talking about the the uh, new book well since i mean since you're forcing me to do it we might as well um so link you you have a new book or i almost can say we have a new book go on go on it, do it it's your own it's it. your book i'm just i'm just along for the ride own it, tj own it, um, dude. <laughs> but that's that is due out soon what is it called and what is it about oh come on man don't, don't <laughs> i know i know but come not maybe not everyone on. does know so as tj full well known because dude you you worked on it uh how long ago was that i'm sorry i've ruined the intro haven't i but you've been working on it for tj's working on secret squirrel projects as well there i said it he knows a lot of what's happening behind the scenes but our new book is called lunar combat and it's and i prepared for today except for being able to read my own tagline <laughs> Following the acclaimed Volume 1, Lincoln Wright and Friends share their lunar combat-inspired works, special operations across the lunar orbit. Yes, for go. so for the uninitiated, uh, part of the lore of Machine and Krieger takes place on the moon because uh, it is the far future. There is a, a lunar base and a whole lunar operation. If you have any of the lunar models, it kind of like talks about that kind of stuff like on the 
on the back, roughly translated into passable English um, for the most part. And uh, yeah, and some so. of them were mine. They were great <laughs> English. <laughs> it's, it gets the point across. And of course, now, because, you know, you can just pick up your phone and use the translation app. That's what I do with like the color cards. If I want to get a backstory, which funnily enough is the Lunagans that I painted built and painted for the book i painted it that way because i translated the little blurb on the combat card and because most lunaganses are not tan and i think the the blurb said something in all in japanese something along the lines mm. of it, they p- tried to paint it uh an anti-radiate or anti-heat color paint and that's why this is the only tan one that they have so i was like oh that's cool I'll, that's neat because i didn't want to do gray because everyone does gray so i'll do tan it was fantastic to see how TJ approached his project and it turned out it's it turned out quite canon and he he actually he did such a, a wonderful service uh, almost homage but it was a, it was a fantastic service for the genre despite not being tasked with it you know he didn't say hey dude try to do something really canon and legit he said like please do do what you feel is 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 best and it turned out spectacularly well so in writing up and, and using some of the, the, the content that TJ sent through, I was so pleased and impressed with that effort. I mean, we've not been able to actually speak about this yet, but it's super well done. And you've seen some of the test shots, right? It turned out I have. amazingly well. Fantastic. And I, I have to, I have to confess and my friends can, can back me up. When you sent, when you sent me the first test shot, um, I think it was maybe just of the chapter cover. With mm. a close up, uh, I think on the back of the Gans. And I saw you sent it to me and I, I was laying in bed. Um, and I was like, Oh my God. And, uh, <laughs> I, te- I texted my friends in, in a group chat and I was like, look at this. I was like, Oh, cool. I'm I, cool. I was like, I legit, it, I have tears in my eyes right now. I'm not full on crying. Like that, like, you know, like a little bit of wetness. That's like right under here. Right. I had that and I was just like, that's cool. And look, I've been in magazines. That, that they're great i i like seeing my work in print but um knowing that that's that's in a like a book like a legit book and as a as a book collector myself for scale like scale modeling books it was just i mean it's a literal dream come true it was just one of the no no things. it's my honor it's my honor to have this included <laughs> you've done such a you tj you've done a, a really special job i actually have quite a bit to share about that one uh i i'm hoping i can I can explain it well and in a concise manner for the show because um, it's it's quite a new moment. It's like a new step for Machine and Krieger, and I'm really happy to have brought it in for for like your grandma's and the folks who who started it. I think this is a fantastic step for them as well, um, and for all of us for the genre at large, which we're we're kind of representing here. Yeah, I mean it's it's an honor to be part of that because as you know, I I love the genre and I think I've been on mm. record more than once saying it's legitimately my favorite genre to model. But by and, I, and I'm an old school old school, not that old, but originally a figure painter, mostly an armor guy, but I know when when I work on machine and Krieger, I know what to do. It is weird because it, mm. it's kind of hard to know what to do because there's not really quote unquote rules. But I feel like I can express myself better working on something machining career than I can working on a Sherman, which I love. And I love doing that. You're saying it perfectly, DJ, because you're exactly right. You feel it uh, and you love it. Those things matter because that's why it's different. Now, I'm not saying I, I don't want to make it a comparative thing because I, I feel well, all modeling is awesome. 
I mean, yeah, we're making the, the coolest miniature scale toys of, of, of stuff that's pretty cool. But this one is particularly interesting because it's uh, the way it was made makes it a little different. In I thought I knew a lot about the genre before, the genre, if we call it a genre. I thought I knew a lot about it before, but with each book, because of the thought that needs to go into it, into it to make it make it cool, I end up relearning and learning things at a different, at, a, at quite a deep level that I didn't have before. That was one of the the so the little little excerpts that we put into the beginning of each chapter that helped to summarize and show like the the main thought of what what's coming up in that section. They're extremely illuminating, and it was exactly that. It was the um, the idea that these are not they're not really scale models. They're one-to-one replicas of what Yokoyama-san once upon a time um, scratch built made, which is kind of cool. I mean, Star Wars is like that too, right? That um, if we make a if we have access to like a, a studio scale uh, studio scale model, they're quite real, aren't they? Because Star Wars was made like that. Yeah. Am I making I, I, am I making no. sense or am I blathering? No, no, no. I don't. No. It does. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, you're right. You know, because you know, I have a bunch of of machine and creator books and, and they have the old hobby Japan and, and, you know, I have the hobby Japan collections and all that stuff. So you cool. see like the original ones from the 1980s, the ones that, mm. that were made. And yeah, that's like, those are the, the, the real thing, you know, to me, like that's, that's it. That's the thing. Like, yeah, it's sure. not, it's not, yeah, it's a model, but it's, it's not a model of something that doesn't exist. Cause to me, it, you know, it does exist. Cause I mean, they do or, they did at one point. I, I hope that a lot of them are still around somewhere. You would know better than me, but um, I know a lot. A lot of those models were made forty years ago, so they they might have been lost to time. I hope not, but but yeah, I I, I would agree with what you're saying. That that's a good cool. way to look at it. Thank, I think. Thank you, TJ. Uh, to reassure you, yes, they exist. They're they've got like a little warehouse storage thing, and all of the original stuff is in there. And they they get taken out and worked on to um to use for photo shoots and stuff like that. That's cool. And it, it is really interesting too because some of them you you realize they pull it out. What's that? Um, one of the ones that that really gave me the the concept was the there's a thing called a sternale, and it's a mm. um Austral Democratic Republic SDR. Uh, spaceship, space, like uh, a combat vessel, frigate, perhaps. I, I, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know a lot about ships, but, um, and it's like, it, it's pretty big and it's famously 135 scale. You just know they made something cool and then said, yeah, that's 135 because <laughs> tanks and about yay. Because, you know, I mean, like the Sulaco. For just, just, just as another uh, a weird tangent, you know the Sulaco model they must have made for aliens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What scale was that? I have no clue. But I, I wonder. That, the, the, that's one the, of the, the all-time great sci-fi ship designs. It's one of right? my favorites. It's so I, cool. I, I guarantee you, when they built it, though, I, I wonder if they knew that they were okay. This is one one hundred or one thirty-five or one twenty-five, whatever it was. I wonder if they knew that at time of start building. Or it was built first, and then they eyeballed it and said, "Yeah, this would work at, at yeah. scale." I, I think in that generation, that's a really, really good point that you're bringing up. And I hadn't really, Lincoln, I hadn't really thought about Machine and Krieger in sort of that vein. 
But when it comes to creating a genre, you know, TJ has talked on our podcast several times sort of about Star Wars modelers. To go back to your example, you have you have guys that kind of want to model an X-Wing as if that X-Wing exists, like if it's an airplane or a tank, sort of sort of in a real world somewhere. And then you have guys that want to model that studio scale prop. And I. And I think based on the generation of when the machine in Krieger and aliens and Star Wars, I, I think, you know, model making was, was moving by leaps and bounds. And then, like you said, they were sort of plugging, plugging scales and things like that into it. And then later on that became canon, but that, that's a really interesting viewpoint. Yes. It's thank you because it, they're very much connected. Machine and Krieger came from uh, Star Wars would be one of the primary ones, but. Of course, these the guys working on it were very much inspired by what was it was a heyday of the, that kind of creation in Japan. But it was also they were very much inspired by what was happening in the U.S. Um, and what would have been happening uh, in Europe and in Britain because of um, you know like the Jerry Anderson models that were being made. That would be uh, Thunderbirds. Yeah, Thunderbirds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, a bunch of the old shows like UFO, Space, nineteen ninety nine of. Stanley Kubrick's work, but then the, the U.S. side was producing Star Trek, Star Wars, um, some wonderful models on that side as well. So they were very much inspiration, formulative for the folks making Machine and Krieger. And I am so happy and pleased to be able to bring it back to the U.S. via TJ. And, and of course, you know, we've, we've got other modeling masters out there doing it, like uh, our friend Brian Kruger, for example. Yeah, Brian, the hilarious Brian Kruger. He cracks me up with the stuff he <laughs> shares. You guys obviously saw the, um, I, I wish I could have been there to see it. Brian talking about the history of uh, SF3D and Mission and Krieger and Space Nazis. That must have been hilarious and very informative as well. It was, it was really good. It was really good. Yeah. So yes, th- th- there's a lot to it. And I, I feel we're, we're probably a lot more interconnected than, than maybe first apparent. Machine and Krieger might look a little alien to folks who are used to their, uh, their, their more Western style sci-fi, but it is actually very connected and they, they very much took from it. Yokoyama son's a big fan of Western things. Part of my interview process with him was explaining that I had built frog, uh, ethics and matchbox kits. So he was way up to speed on uh, Western modeling. The, Has- the Hasegawa president also wanted to know what I knew about Re- Ravel and having worked with, with those kit manu- those, those kits as, as a kid. So yeah, they're, they're, they're very Western focused as well. Much more than so we, we, uh, the reason I bring this up is because I imagine Machine and Krieger looks very Japanese to some folks who are, who are experiencing it for the first time. But quite different from Gundam, it's probably much more accessible and based on Western concepts than might be first apparent. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know it nearly as well as TJ, but I, I would agree with that, Link. I think it, um, while I think it does look a little bit Japanese, I think it international is going to be the wrong term. But I, I do think it looks, yeah. you know, it's got some European and, and some American influence. And it's got to be tremendously rewarding for you uh, to see, like we did a Machine and Krieger group build at Nationals yes. that TJ coordinated. And we had, uh, what, over 40 models on 
41 different models on the the display. Yeah. And uh, man, that was it's really awesome to see, you know, here in 2023, Machine and Krieger really, really growing and expanding again, you know, sort of out here in, in, uh, you know, America. So it was fantastic to see the growth that, uh, you know, and thank you. Thank you very much. You guys have, have been instrumental in, in, in making that happen. I mean, um, from our discussions with it back when, remember when FAQ came out? Mm-hmm. And I got in trouble for including too much <laughs> MAK. The, uh, I was hoping that would come. Up, I, would, I was hoping that, jo- that that joke would come up today. The um, why are some of these models in Lunar Combat? They're the ones that I wasn't allowed to do for FAQ. But then moving that along, and with your focus on it and the the group build, which is it makes it more accessible and it it, it makes that entry bar easier to 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 overcome, doesn't it? So. Thank you very much for that. That's been wonderful to see. Oh, we were we were glad to do it. I mean, it was I like organizing the group builds. It's the third one we've done as a podcast. Second one I I personally organized, and yeah, it it's my favorite thing. So I mean, seeing all forty one, I think it was at least forty one on the huge. table. It was a whole yeah, it's huge. Yeah, I I would venture to say it's probably been the largest single collection in one place of Machine and Krieger in the United States since maybe there was a pretty decent one at Wonderfest for the 30th anniversary. So 10 years ago, I was not there, but I've seen, seen mm. pictures because uh, Jason Eaton was there. I mean, he shared pictures um, not too long ago, actually. Um, actually, I think when the last Wonderfest in Kentucky, is that where it is? Scott? Yeah. In Louisville. Yep. Yeah. Which was in June. Uh, people were sharing pictures of previous Wonderfest, uh, the American Wonderfest. Uh, sure. Not not the same as the Japanese Wonderfest, which uh, that is a bucket list item for me. That's that's a side tangent. Yeah, there was a pretty decent display for the 30th anniversary of Machine and Krieger at Wonderfest. But I I remember I'm gonna, that. I'm gonna have to go I back do, and look I at do. the pictures. And, and, and again, thank thank you very much to the the folks in the US who made that happen. That was big. And then you've gone one bigger. I I, mean, I like to think so. I was I was quite proud of of what we were able to um to to as a community put together on the table and, and people were really interested. And on top of that, that wasn't the only machine and creator at the show. The mecha wow. categories yeah. were, were pretty full. Um, Cause I had one in that category um, just as a standalone. And there was at least five others in the category, two of them placed. I did not in that sci-fi vehicle because they separated all out. So <laughs> then I had my Oscar in science fiction vehicle other because that's what it is it's not a walker it's not a mecca it's a hovering robot of some variety and then there's scratch built in the mud flaps or no mud flaps category the no mud flaps no mud flaps Ah. and then brian had one of his sand stalkers that he scratched uh, one of his original designs that was in scratch built science fiction yeah and uh, there was there was a couple other because i went around i didn't take i'm terrible at taking pictures of the show but um, I went around and looked at all of them. So are I'm, you talking to people too? I am. That's part of the problem. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I totally get it because you come back from the show and you think, Oh, I didn't take <laughs> any photos. <Yeah. laughs> but I met John and Dave it, and, yeah, and you, you, you meet it, all these people. So it's yeah. fantastic. Trying to nudge TJ, you know, come on, man. You go into the show, you get your little phone out. I'm terrible he, at it. He laughs and pats me on the head. <laughs> says i'll i'll do my best and off he goes then, <laughs> you've got to you've got to be friends with you you'll see that you'll see that guy 
with the That's really right. awesome camera setup <laughs> who's really into it. And, and you can see he's got the focus on taking the photos. You know, Hi, can we be friends, please? Because you know, you've got G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip and the great photos. <laughs> together, together we can do something. I just you let know. someone else do it. That way I don't have to. You know, uh, Link, I didn't want to uh, say it that way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Link, Link, TJ brought up something really, really interesting. You know, we talk about, you know, sort of Machine and Krieger growing in the United States. And then, you yes. know, um, you have people like Brian that are yes. putting together models that, you know, they're using you know, either machine and Krieger or other kits, and then they're building, you know, scratch building. I mean, and so you know it has to be gaining popularity when the subjects are being, you know, used for modification and, you know, sort of adjacent uh, vehicles and machines. So Yes, exactly. I I see it from, from, you know, growing up and going to the shows in Japan for for, forever. Uh, I, I see that kind of progression already kind of extending and propagating. Uh, across shows in, in the US because once you've, once you have enough artists, modelers, craftspeople working on these things that it, they start coalescing and, uh, people will be getting great ideas. And yeah, it's going to go, it's going to grow, grow from there. It's fantastic. Well, before we get too much further down um, the rabbit hole on this with you, I wanted to take a little bit of a break. So for those of you listening at home, you know, Link uh, has an awesome Facebook page called Paint on Plastic. And then uh, Link kind of walk us through the other areas of social media where people can find uh, your work and your books and your own personal models, which we haven't even uh, touched on yet. Sure thing. The I've attempted to to have like a, a single touch point with my website, paintonplastic.com. Uh, yes, it seemed clever and I needed something very quick to, to, to get started on. So paintonplastic.com. Via that uh, website, I then sh- I, I make sure I, I share original content and access to the other platforms. So you can go to my Instagram via there. Uh, YouTube and so on. And they're all on the same name. Everything's, uh, if you search paint on plastic or just my name, Lincoln Wright, various items will come up and you can, you can go from there. He says very humbly, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pump it a little bit here. It's got some amazing tutorials by Link showing how he does a lot of the techniques that he does, the work and, um, the presentation of the work, which I think is really, really important, especially for newbies is fantastic. It's really, really top notch, really great photography. Um, everything, um, really makes sense. It's easy to follow along with. So yeah, check paintonplastic.com or paintonplastic, you know, on Facebook and and uh, the other social media outlets. So um, TJ and Link, uh, this new book we have. Oh, uh, thanks, Scott. That was an amazing intro. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh no, well, I mean, you sent me the check. I mean, before I cash it, I got to earn it, right? <laughs> uh, you know, what are we looking at as far as uh, dates? When is this uh, new book going to be available for for us to purchase? The uh, it's the proofs are back. So uh, late on Friday, I actually got a a cover redo. So I'm approving that this morning and sending it off. So we're just waiting for the printer. So I would say we're probably within strike range of two to three weeks of uh, initial mail outs going. So or probably once again just miss my my self imposed deadline of end of August. So we're looking at early September. 
for availability. Awesome. And where um, where will be the best uh, place uh, for people to go to uh, to purchase this? Will it be directly sure. from you or are there other places? that? Oh, how I would love to say where all good books are sold. But the reality is because it's still quite uh, uh, small, new, niche, uh, there's what I can develop from the first one. Um, so as a, as a fledgling uh, publisher, I'm still making uh, outroads for connected, for connectivity. To answer the question properly, though, the best place to get it will be at paintonplastic.com at my website. Hopefully, much like last time, there will be a couple of resellers who purchased books to, to bring to the US, Japan, Singapore. So there also, there'll be some availability there as well. Excellent. But that takes a lot longer because of the, just the shipping dissemination, getting those things out. If you want to get it now, and if you want to get it signed, I'm happy to sign it for people. I always regret saying it, but. Um, I'm happy to sign people for books because it's kind of cool to have a little bit of a connection with the author. I'm happy to write something in there for you. So for that to happen, though, it does need to go from my hands. So they would be best to order directly from me. Since we're talking about the book, and we've already kind of talked about spacecraft, and you mentioned the Salko from Aliens. Along those lines, I know in Luna Combat, there is a scratch build one of the coolest machine creator designs the banana boat i've seen pictures of the original scratch in some of my books crazy looking thing it's really cool can you i that's that's one of the things i'm most excited about with the book is looking at at that and and seeing (laughs) the process because as someone who's kind of like taking baby steps into scratch building seeing scratch building is cool and it's also just a like fantastic design can you tell me a little bit just for my own personal edification about the banana boat that's going to be in Luna Combat. So that one is a kit. That one was a kit. It was a uh, Japan One Fest, mm. which is you know it's it's similar to Kentucky One Fest and uh, held in Japan a couple of times a year. I was hesitant. You know, the the banana boat was a bit of a it's a bit of a judgment call because Yokoyama-san has asked me to include things that are available for people because you don't want to antagonize folks, right? You don't put in a bunch of unobtainium and say. Look what these other people have. And uh, it would be quite frustrating, right? So this kit, even when it was first released, was not easy to get. What I am hoping happens, though, is that the vendor will make it available again due to people contacting me. So it was a kit. Uh, I, I believe it's uh, 135 scale and uh, all in resin. And it looks like it was an absolute beast to make. And why I chose it for the book was the um, Mark 44 was a book about that particular model and its various iterations. Lunar Combat has tried to touch on the various styles that various, the different artists use when completing machine and Greek kits. I don't think it's a little bit of a new territory. I'm not sure it gets talked about much in scale, scale modeling, but it's something that comes up uh, on the Japanese side quite a bit because there's a real crossover between designers, 2D artists, and people working on various other kinds of projects with Machining Krieger, at least in Japan, because the, the, the principal guy is an illustrator and designer himself. Am I making sense there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the when we talk about uh, when we talk about aviation and uh, armor, we, we often we're, we're talking about it from a scale modeling perspective. So the style is 
make it look realistic, make it look real, and which is which is more than fine. What I was trying to share was the concept of uh, slightly different styles being represented that you can kind of get into and release the beast from within to uh, and mess around with these kind of ideas whilst working on machine and Krieger kits because they're not real. You're not limited by uh, any concepts of producing something that looks realistic. Um, it's just this cool thing. So the banana boat was my example of, I've got like, uh, I think five different kinds of styles that I tried to give a summary and introduction to. You're responsible for one of them, actually, TJ, which will be interesting to you. You, you don't, we've not discussed this before. I've not mentioned it to you, but, um, the banana boat was, I wanted something very awe inspiring to, suggest the idea of meister level of, of skill, like a, a, a kind of an uncommon mastery. And it's something we don't talk about, but we know it when we see it, don't we? We, we see some work like this and we're like, dude, that's whole another level. And Mr. Jung from Korea very much has that level of skill. So I was desperate to include some of his work in this book. And the banana boat seemed like the best first one, because the question just came up. Okay. They've got all this stuff on the moon, on, on earth. So we, we, we've seen them playing with that. How do they get all this crap to the moon? And the answer is, of course, the banana boat. So that was the reason it's included. And you're right, TJ. It's just a phenomenal kit. The photography and everything makes it look quite real. The scale is excellent at 135. So, you know, it's, it's big enough to look good and self shadow and look, look, look awesome. But, um, it still was, uh, small enough that he could get it all in shot for, for, for photos. But I, I 100% agree with you. I'm so pleased to be able to present this. So I'm very proud. All I know is, um, I hope it comes back as a kit because, um, I, I, when I can, will order resin from Japan, uh, even though my wallet tells me I shouldn't. And if that is <laughs> made a kit again, I will probably be one of the first to order it. I did see there is a smaller version. So again, it's kind of, it's a little bit, uh, is it, is it horse before the cart or is it, or is it chicken and egg? But <laughs> in producing Gluna Combat, but it helped some of the kits to be redone. So in discussing this one with your grandma son, gallery, uh, one, the main one that I wanted to share was my, um, the one that really got me hooked on both Machine and Krieger and the, the lunar aspects of it was the fireball stopgap. I didn't know, but it was the very first kit that Wave put out for the genre. Uh, and it's like something like 22 years ago. And the first iteration was it's a combination of, uh, I think it was some Nito parts. I'm not sure if they added some new, uh, new sprues, new runners to it. Some of it was by model Kasten. It's this, um, the Japanese brand that was also supporting machining Krieger stuff back then. And they were able to do a, uh, a repop of that to, to more or less coincide with the release of the book. So that's been extremely gratifying. Again, I'm not in direct contact with the vendor, but I know Sensei Koyokoma-san is. So they have re-released a different scale of the Banana Boat kit. So you can get uh, a 176 scale version of it. One of the other artists in the book is, is another one of my personal favorites. Um, that's Alexander. And he, I think mm. he built a cause cows. I don't mm. know how to, I'd never say that right. I don't know what is the actual way to pronounce it. Um, can, can we talk about that one a little bit? Because sure, I've seen the, sure. I've seen the pictures of it and anyone that knows, uh, Alexander 
Duchamp. Is that how you say his last name? It's French. So I probably butchered it. I'm not, I'm not a French speaker. So I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I apologize. Hey, Alex is French. So I say it wrong too. No okay. matter how much I've, I've tried to say it correctly, we, we, we will, we will never be, um, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we never say it right. It's like, <laughs> but he's very forgiving and very accommodating with that. He's an awesome guy. He, he lives in, he lives in London. So I mean, you know, international man of mystery. He's been brutalized by the real world. <laughs> yes, I'll discuss this. So long as you promise there'll be enough time to put you on the spot and discuss why you're in it and what I think you bring to the table and why this is so special and important. Is that a deal? deal? That's a deal. deal. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so Mr. Jung, Mr. Kiel Jung. Hello, Mr. Jung. I, I got to say a joke for him, right? I don't know if he's going to listen to this show, but we had this like little shorthand gag over the years. Oh yeah, was this this joke about how we would say oh yeah with the the the, the music mark? And um, so Mr. Jung was actually the first international foreign artist that I was able to publish from from Artbox uh, Model Graphics. Uh, so Mr. Jung was the first guy, and it was a big deal because he's Korean, Japan, Korea. But the Japan modeling scene was kind of, they, it's not that the modern folks were against them at all. It was just not done until some stupid Aussie guy goes, hey, we should show this because it's cool. And they just said, well, yeah, okay. I guess the, the foreigner in the room can then in- introduce another foreigner. And then that kind of snowballed along. So it was wonderful to include Mr. Jung because we have some history with that. I just wanted to mention that one. And it's not that the Japanese people were closed about it. It's just due to a lack of precedent and just having someone that was okay working between the worlds, it just didn't happen because how, why? Uh, much like having Chekhov on the bridge on the Enterprise. Someone had to start it, right? <laughs> Bring the Soviets in in 1968. So um, with Alex, Alex is another longstanding like contributor, supporter, Alex stumbled into Machine and Krieger way, 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 way long ago. And um, I think he was still a student at the time. We we became a, a special kind of, we, we developed a special kind of friendship because, you know, Alex said nice things about me. So I liked him. You know, <laughs> the reality of how human relationships work, right? And Alex immediately pointed out my groundwork and uh, bases and so, what have you are not good enough. So we've had that on long running interest, interesting interaction. Now, Alex, I really wanted him. Alex is the designer of the book too. So the reason the books look so beautiful is a lot of it goes into how it's prepared and the design. The design is a big deal. Alex is behind that. But I really wanted Alex, I desperately wanted Alex to show something from the Strahl, the SDR, because he's really into them. And the Melusine cults, I, again, too, the German people always tell me how wrong I am, but I heard how Japanese people stole German words and mispronounced them. So the real pronunciations, who knows, right? I mean, technically, they're not, it's not really German, is it? It's mm-hmm. Japanese concept of German, just like for Alex, sorry, our, our Anglophile version of a French gentleman's name is just always going to be wrong <laughs> like that. Alex is a, is a really big fan of that shape, the, the silhouette of the cults. We, we often, we've discussed that. The rear cover of the book, I think he nailed it by including the, 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 the shot. He updated it to 
to show this kind of silhouette of how the cults looks in profile. It looks fantastic. And I really wanted Alex to be able to introduce the concept of Shibui. Now, I apologize very much to the, the English speakers listening to us. I'm not a complete nutjob Japanophile. I'm not. I didn't even realize that was a thing. I, I see you. I can, we're on screens. I can see the two guys laughing when I drop <laughs> things like that. I, um, I understand that uh, when I speak the words, I, I do happen, I'm bilingual in Japanese. It, it's because I grew up there. And, and again, it wasn't so much of a choice. I didn't go there because I was all weep nuts on anime, which again, no issue. I just hap- <laughs> happened to find myself there. Needed to speak it because hungry and they, they, they have girls there. Just like everywhere else on the planet, <laughs> if you find yourself, if you're, if you're a straight dude and you find yourself and you're young and you're married and you're there where there's, they have, they have the, the kind of people that you're into, you'll learn a language real fast. Because you've got, you've got reasons to do things. So well, I'll, I'll leave that one at that. So. With <laughs> bringing that back to happy, happy plastic modeling, Alex embodies, and, and we, we happen to have discussed this a few times too, because Alex has wonderful, uh, wide interests. Um, he's a great designer, great artist. And we discussed, he talked about these color concepts that we were seeing on like things like Japanese pottery, different things like that. And I mentioned the, the concept. This, this is going back really some time. Poor Alex probably doesn't remember either. But I remember saying that, yeah, they got a word for that. It's called Shibui. And I hadn't researched it yet as an English speaker. It's just something I'd learned in situ, which it's kind of different, isn't it? I don't know if you guys study other languages, but when you learn them as a translation of your native tongue, you tend to learn them as a comparative thing. But when you learn it in situ without the comparison, you kind of then learn it as a child does through experience and example. So, uh, you know, you'll see something, someone will say the word and you go, Oh, I mean, something like that. And then through, through repetition and iteration, you actually develop a very deep and fundamental understanding of a concept. Shibuya was one of them. And I've since researched it and discovered that very famous U.S. based artists were very familiar with it. It's, it's, cause it's been around forever. Frank Lloyd Wright, the, the fantastic U.S. architect. You guys may have heard his name. Oh yeah. I think I, I think I've heard of that guy. Yeah. Everyone's once or him, twice. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm just, just double checking. I, di- I, I was happy to mention him too, because maybe he, he, he having the same family name as me may rub off on me somehow. The, uh, <laughs> he was very, and he's big in Japan because one of their, um, very prestigious, hotels. He's the designer for it. And he became quite enamored with this concept of Shibui. He doesn't use it in his literature, but he obviously was quite taken with the the dichotomy, the idea of simplicity and complexity and how it's com- how it's beautifully combined by the Japanese. And it's very evident in quite a few of their art forms. Machine and Krieger is uh contains quite a bit of the Shibui element. So, and it's, it's quite obvious in the, the color styles, the design, design foo. Can, can I call it that? How it's some of the 
the designs are quite complex, yet they're quite simple. But I, I, you, you'll notice some people will lament that when they first get into it. They'll, they'll make like a, like a suit and they'll need to add more stuff to it, add more guns and what have you, which is, which is always more than fine, but it's, um, it's because they're still kind of bouncing back the idea of, um, the complexity with the, the simplicity of it. Simple beauty with a complexity, both of which, if you don't understand to a very deep level, are very hard to combine. There's actually, the more you fall down this rabbit hole, you understand that many of the most famous artists were actually very, can I say enamored again, were very passionate about the concept. Leonardo da Vinci, he didn't know Japanese words. I don't know if he was even aware that Japan existed, but he was quite taken with the idea of uh, simplicity being the most beautiful complication. I don't know if I'm too off target talking about this, but mm. Alex is this. Alex be this. Alex's take on Shibui, because this is how good it is. The book itself is Shibui. Uh, if you like some aspects about Mark 44, you'll notice that it's not ostentatious. It's not overpowered. There's a certain uh, simplicity to it. Yet, once you really immerse yourself in, in the simplicity, you'll see how there's a wonderful complication of detail included as well. Am I talking out of my or is this making some kind of sense? This is quite... This <laughs> yeah, is it quite, makes sense. Yeah. It no, does? Yeah. It's really yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Yeah. It's, it's it's a whole thing. And it's it's not quite like, yes, you put on the primer, then you do the... Yeah, then you do the color coat, then you gloss for decals. Sorry, I, I know I'm quite away from our, our target space, but... No, no, so, not at all. I think getting back to where we started with, you know, Star Wars and Aliens and Machine and Krieger and where that aesthetic came from. I think something, mm, you know, mm. when you take science fiction and you meld it with armor, you're sort of grounding it. And I think what you're talking about is the same yes. way, you know, you don't, it, it, a Tiger tank didn't have missiles and 18 guns on the turret. You know, it sort of had what militarily maybe yeah. the situation called for, right? So there's a, sim a simplicity and elegance elegance and functionality to that. And I think that's interesting. That, you know, Very that much so, Scott. You're, you're, dead on, you're dead on the money there. So the, the I don't talk with these subjects with uh, English speakers before. So this is actually a wonderful opportunity for me. Do you call it the Gustav or what do you normally call the BF-109, for example? Yeah. yeah BF-109. So you call yeah. it that one. Okay. okay. Yeah. The Japanese fellas, they, they, they call it the Gustav mostly. But isn't that its nickname or is that a variant and I've just got it wrong? But, but anyway, the BF-109, there's, there's a number of uh, warplanes that very much would fit into this category of being Shibui because they were quite perfect. And it's due to due to their mission, right? Um, they needed to be stripped down, didn't they? They had to be everything that counted and nothing that didn't. In their execution, they're kind of a, a type of a, a type of minimalism was employed in their design. But there's also a certain amount of beauty was applied to them, like the Spitfire, for example, the Mustang. Um, the Corsair, the many of these these top level warplanes, beautiful in design, yet minimalistic and quite directed in function, aren't they? They they got one job, they do that one thing and they do it super well. 
And there's a reason they've become super classics, isn't there? You know those scenes where uh, Maverick flies the P-51 in Top Gun and the new yeah. one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's one of the aspects of Shibui, if I could use the word again, is that they have a timeless quality as well. So to fully answer what so what both of you are saying is so on target and what to, to try to complete what I was uh, to complete for TJ, Alex brings Shibui to the table and it was in that chapter that I was uh, I was granted that wonderful opportunity to try to explain how that might be used for our model making approach. In we can use it for a few things like color, the model itself, and so on. And Alex is a wonderful example of that. And you've seen his cults, the the blue one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I haven't told him yet. I told your grandma son, Alex will make a blue one, and it will be a type of French blue that will be the most beautiful thing we've ever seen. <laughs> and he did that. So when you're listening, Alex, that's what happened behind the scenes, bro. And <laughs> you won't I'm, tell him yet. I'm trying to decide what that conversation with uh, Yokoyama-san was like when you mic dropped him with that with that prediction. <laughs> yeah, when I sent it through, he was yeah. He said, "Wow, you nailed it." Yeah, you knew he'd do that. But um, <laughs> Yokoyama-san, he, he he's a very cool guy. He's he's not this stereotypical thing you, you'd imagine. He's not, you know, he's um, he's very, in Australia, we call a guy like that very blokey. Folks in the US, I think you say it in a slightly different way, though, don't you? You say, yeah, I, I don't know a translation for that one. Yeah, it's just very, uh, like, a, like a dude. Yeah, just yeah, yeah dude. exactly. Yeah. Uh, Billy Crystal would say it, you know? It's like, it's like Deuteronomy. <laughs> the, yeah, Billy Crystal. So he jokes around like that too. So, you know, like from a modeling thing, you get the, some folks who would treat it like a religion and we would giggle together away from prying eyes about how, man, that guy's totally got the, the sitting under the waterfall in his, in his Buddhist outfit, you know, pretending that this is a religion and undergoing extreme arduousness for no good reason. Imagine if he had just made this and that and had fun with it, but can't say those things too much there. So uh, the poor guy is kind of a little bit, yeah, he's a little bit, despite being the living legend, he's got to be careful how he talks about some of these things in uh, in front of the, uh, in front of that subspace, because there's some people who like that kind of thing. Yeah, but, I understand that. Well, let's circle back around to this uh, Howler guy in uh, Virginia and, yeah, and sort, of, here we go. sort of his entry for the book. What do you feel, feel like Thomas uh, Howler brought to the table, Link? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. That was a sitting duck. I just had to do it. Before I, before you get started, is TJ blokey? Uh, he has, interestingly, TJ is the Shibui of blokey because, <laughs> because he'll say and do things that are blokey, but then he'll use vocabulary and throw you curveballs that are, you know, the epitome of sophistication. And you're like, WTF, did that come from? So... <laughs> And that actually is a is a like a hallmark of Shibui. So interesting, right? I try to be well rounded. If only I meant that for the book. I wasn't that clever to predict that. <laughs> Some of the predictions have been good, but but the main reason to the, the focus for TJ, he totally nailed it. And this one will be interesting. I'll, I'll try to keep it concise and, and on target. But it's again, it's simple, but not simple. It's 
Shibui. I hope that becomes a common word for us modelers and, and fans of Triple P because it gets us across a lot of topics or challenges to, to ex- when to explain something. For example, I, I do have one that will, will instantly show this for, for listeners. I was enthralled with Mr. Um, John Bananis, the camouflage pattern that he did on a, uh, I believe it was a Kunise uh, Tiger, the King Tiger. Yeah. Uh, it was this fantastic, very tight, insanely tight, airbrushed three-color classic pattern. And the the level of skill required to do that is just insane, right? Yet his execution through through that level of skill and flawlessness made it look perfect and simple. It was an example of that type of thing being shown as Shibui. You could show this to someone, for example, if you let Dunning-Kruger have effect and show this to a, a brand new person and say, yeah, you just bare brush this on, just hold it close and keep it steady and do that. A new person might believe it because of how simple and beautiful it looked. But those of us, unfortunately, who know what that requires, then we cry into our pillow, don't we? Because we, we know what it <laughs> we know the reality of what that takes. So I thought that's, that's a perfect example of Shibui. So John Benani san, you are also Shibui, which I mean, it's like, it's like one of the highest, highest form of compliment. TJ was, I wanted, so for the, the five style themes that I wanted to personify through examples in the book, and I especially wanted them to be done by not me because this helps. It's a very short aside. One of the things that I've collaborated with the various manufacturers over the years and various publications. One of the things that one of the Spanish publishers has a challenge with is that one guy tries to do everything. One guy tries to be the guy for every kind of modeling. And the thing is, he he can. He's really, really, really good. Um, and he's, he's actually a nice guy too. But mere humans, we have trouble understanding that. And I don't think we can really see it. You know, I think it would have, it, it would work much better. But there's a different publisher. So they have uh, a different person for each of the delineations. I think that one becomes a little bit easier for us to understand. Is that kind of, am I making some sense there? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, um, so TJ is a tank guy who accidentally makes airplanes and space stuff. <laughs> Guilty as charged. We we, we get that, right? So (laughs) I I felt it was really important to show for for two reasons why, you know, I'd hate to try to, I hate to come across as that kind of idiot guy who's trying to be all the things to all people. And number two, I don't have the skill for it. Thank goodness. So, and uh, number three, by having you do something, I don't have to do it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the, the real one. There we go. That level of honesty, ladies and gentlemen, is not is hard to come across. But I figured if I can get someone who's both better than me, and then I don't have to do it, I can focus on the part that I think would would bring value to folks. So in showing these different styles, I wanted to show people who were so good at it that I felt it was covered enough that that I could like, stand back and not have to not have to try to even explain it because that that's very hard to do. And that was one of the challenges with FAQ was that they ask you to, in asking you to represent sci-fi, there's a whole lot of sci-fi to cover. And I, I don't think even with a thousand pages, you could do it justice. So 
that's a that small aside that I wanted to get into. Couple of things here, really quick. First of all, yeah. your your AK sci-fi FAQ. You know, speaking for myself, that that is like my favorite modeling book I have. I'm not just saying that because I'm talking to you. <laughs> I I love that, and all my other modeling books. If they had to go, I would keep that one. So anyway, job well done. But uh, TJ, uh, what a compliment, Link just just um paid you i mean wow you know the fact that i mean he he didn't say the word trust but the implied trust uh to not only collaborate with you but then to allow you know allow you to display things kind of on behalf of of link who i'm talking about in the third person that that's amazing i'm still here you know (laughs) anyway uh huge huge compliment I'm humbled. Hey, Trust me. Hey, at no point, TJ, did I drop the word trust. <laughs> <laughs> it was, as far as I could hear myself babbling, I, I, I more of, I, I stood back and uh, phoned it in while TJ took care of business. That's more like it. No, so you, you, you trusted I, him, but you still had your finger on the big red button the whole time. <laughs> you see, TJ has proven himself. So I didn't even think to use the word trust because he's there. TJ does what TJ does. He's already, he's shown himself. And that was why I actively went after him. In, in fact, all of the people that feature in the book, I, I scouted them. Um, I, I'm happy for people to contact me, but I didn't go in that direction. I, I wanted specific people to, 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 to come into it. And with TJ, there's a number of things that, that, that I knew he could, I trusted him to accomplish. So uh, TJ was invited to exemplify the the theme of technical expertise, technical skill, which is a very big and important point. In fact, it's the base, it's the baseline one. If we don't have technical skill, that's it, right? We we're not getting to the moon, we're not building models, we're not doing anything. It's like so I've been watching a lot of, because of lunar combat, uh, I've been watching a lot of uh NASA Artemis moon stuff, Apollo. And I felt that TJ exemplifies a version of that kind of modeling that of technical expertise where he gets it as as right as can possibly be. If you guys, um, I don't know if it's too old a term, but you've heard of Six Sigma. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a Six Sigma uh, certified black belt. Can, 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 yeah. can we can we can we drop that one on TJ? Is like the 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 Six Sigma of plastic modeling. Nice because. You know, he's gotten everything, not a little bit right, very, 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 very right. He's like the, if Toyota, you remember how Toyota improved their production line through, through giving the ability to staff on the production line to be able to stop it. So they, they, they perfected that. The way TJ approaches things, I feel that it's a, it's a nigh perfect way to do it. Now, interestingly, the Stral faction. I mean, it's it, the Stral Democratic Republic. We'll just we'll just stick with that. There's a few things to it. I I, I got a bit of a, a strange loop there. They the way they're they're described. They're not bad guys. They're a very technologically advanced, capable uh, union of peoples that has been kind of thrown a curveball with having to manage the earth. This is, this is in the backstory. It's not really, it's not super important that we understand this to enjoy the modeling, but there's some, there's some fun aspects to it that the Stral have been given earth to govern 
they didn't ask for it. And so the Strahl military forces that we see shown are maybe not all that into it, but they have a very high level of expertise and technological um, advancement, which is shown by some of their equipment. And how perfect would it be for TJ to do the, the version that I think really exemplifies their technological advancement, which is one of their AI machines. One of the, the most popular ones is the, the Lunar Gans. I think it was one of the earlier ones and it, it's shown. So that one matches up really well because I feel one of the most important aspects of US-based modeling is the technical expertise that the US brings to to the, do we call it the hobby, the genre? Yeah, I think so. But, but realistically, the US brings it to everything, technical expertise, engineering, and all of these aspects. How perfect would it be for TJ to show that aspect as it exists in the Machine and Krieger space universe. And so his work on producing the, uh, the Lunar Gans, it's a kind of perfection to me in showing technical expertise. Thank you. I don't know if I agree with that assessment, but <laughs> I appreciate it. And you didn't mess it up. <laughs> no, no, I did not. Does, does that kind of make sense? So, so Alex was for Shibui. TJ very much to me personifies that technical mastery. And it's like from an engineering point of view, which I think is perfect because the Lunagans looks real. It's fantastic. And it's, it's very much different and contrasts with the way I ruin models. <laughs> I mean, I have a certain amount of technical expertise, yet I've tried to do them. And because I've been doing it for long enough, it kind of, you know what I mean? You, you get ruined if you, if you, if you, you do things a certain way long enough, that habit is very hard to shake. So in going down that, that path of trying to emulate the Koyokuyama-san sensei Rembrandt version on models, you do that long enough you're not going to be able to do the other ones as well because your eyes shifted, your arms not working the same as it, as it was when you were, when you were pitching straight. So that's why having TJ do exactly that kind of style in, in, in a, in a, in a way that he does so well is just perfect to show other people. And if I can illustrate that by just con contrasting it with one more, for example, there's, um, uh, Mr. C. Lim, who's, um, based in, um, he's in Edinburgh, I believe. Sorry, T, if I forgot where you were, where you're living, bro. I'm pretty sure he's in Scotland. Um, so he's in the UK. He does model aircraft beautifully. Often some of, some of my favorite work of his was both with Macross and with, uh, modern fighter jets. He has a style that I would call like clean and beautiful, which I've kind of mentioned in the book too. It's called tenair. And that was a, a word we would often use when we were discussing people's work. That's what I've tried to provide with you is when we would talk about guys' work to bring in to show at uh, Hobby Japan, we would say what we liked about them, why we wanted to bring them in. So tenair was one of the things that would often come up. It's become quite synonymous with Gumpla. Some of the more famous people who do, do uh, gunpla, Japanese gunpla style. Mostly it's done in a very clean, pristine, soft blended airbrush look. You guys know what I mean, right? Oh yeah. Yep. There's that kind of look. TJ's is like that, but it's sharper, more technical. So that was really uh, important to have in and. TJ nailed it. He's the he's our, our, our poster for technical mastery. I'm so happy for him to do it. And to do it for the Strahl as well. It just seems so thematic. There you go. I got it into 30 words or less. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. Well, well, I'll, ma I'll make uh, I'll make no secret that I am a SDR fan. All, all of my favorite designs 
See, other than yeah. the Prowler, I do, yeah. I do love the Prowler and the Sea Pig. That my that's one of my other favorite ones. But most of everything else, it's SDR. I don't know something about them. Well, you might be happy. My ruined Sea Pig is in the book too. That's uh, number ten. Yes. Oh, I love your Sea Pig. I think I think it's great. I I, I felt that the uh, I felt the publication. Some of the publications before they didn't show uh, the models to their extent. So there's a lot of uh, competing space with uh, the product bottles. So it's sometimes not as much about the models as the little bottles of paint. But I get it. I mean, they've got something, that's something they need to do. So the models are not often shown fully in their, how they can live and breathe. You know what I mean? Like you need Mm -hmm. sometimes a little bit more angles, a little bit bigger photography, just needs to be given a bit more space. And I don't think the uh, the CPIG had been shown in that way before. So this time you get a better look at it. I think you can get a better understanding of it. I haven't talked to you guys down, have I? I've gone (laughs) gone long. No, (laughs) no, not at all. Really, really looking forward to this book it's going to be fantastic i think you've done an awesome job of bringing some of those i love the terminology being in in japanese i mean it you know there's always an exotic quality to words in another language but sometimes Mm. in another language a term can mean something actually better or you know explain something more fully than you can in a word in english or you know whatever even even american english no, exactly. And I mean, uh, in English, we we enjoy one of the most uh, accommodating languages in that we do import. One of the reasons English has been so successful is that we're very quick to, to bring in words that mean something. It becomes a mental shortcut for us, doesn't it? So they're, they're hyper useful. And I thought some of these might be useful for people to use as a, a kind of mental shortcut to explain concepts. Plus, once we become aware of a concept, we can use it more. Uh, I wanted to bring that gift to, to the modeling uh, community as well, because of course we we will we're aware of these things, but until we have like a mental picture or even a word to associate for it, we don't often. It's difficult to grasp, but. Once we have a word for it, we can use it and uh, it'll become more apparent in our work. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. Interesting. Mm. Well, Luna Combat, early September, we hope, from paintonplastic.com. Link, what's next after (laughs) Luna Combat? Depends on what TJ starts making. But seriously, though, one of the models that I started putting together just before my little health bump, and then I finished it after I came back, I've been extremely taken by them. I think it's a um, fantastic, it's a fantastic kit, but but quite different. So the Mark 44, I wanted to put a spotlight on that because I felt it was a really good kit to be one of your first ones. If you're new to Machining Krieger, it's available. It's a nice build, pretty simple, and you can get into all kinds of hijinks with it, right? If you want to use all kinds of uh, techniques and basically all of them can be used. Next, I've been working on Grosserhund. So talking about that uh, Strahl thing, the Strahl technology, I was quite interested and excited to work on something that to me, it comes across as one of the most high-tech machines in this genre. And there happens to be a series of the kits. Um, I'm building number six now. I've built five of them so far. I feel that, man, that's been a mission. That's new for me. I have never sat down and built five versions of a kit ever. 
back to back. It's different. I, I don't, I'm not sure if I would recommend it to people to do, but, um, <laughs> but wow, you get up to speed pretty quick and you learn a lot about the kit. Again, I'm in awe of the thought that your Gamma-san's put into it because there's um three different versions and you've got early and late on each one. And wow, it's fascinating. So that might be coming down the pipe. I look forward to seeing those. Any, uh, any recent uh, tutorials or anything else that you've kind of been working on on social media or on your website? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the, the most recent I've done so far, I've painted, finished painting two versions of the, the Grosso Hund, the big dog. And um, just be careful of that on your internet searches, what terms you put in front of it. MAK, <laughs> MAK big dog might work. It's the very first time that I've been able to put what I think is a good iteration of a winter snow camo. I'm working on that video now. So that will be the next one to hit my YouTube channel. Will be Link doing winter whitewash wrong on a large AI robot that's here to kill us all. <laughs> Wait, awesome. that came out wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that's one of the reasons I was kind of excited by them. It seems like something that DARPA would make, but, you know, a little bit scarier. Winter whitewashing it. I, it's been a few years since I've done a winter whitewash. And, you know, you go back to a scheme and realize that you really like it. It's, I think, winter whitewash. Each time I do it, I like to tell myself it's my new favorite, but you know, then it, then it goes back into the wash. But well, I'm looking forward that, to it. Thank you. Yeah, that that one. Uh, it's been pretty good. I've captured a lot of video for it. I'm a bit sorry. I'm a, I'm a bit slow on some of the the video output. Do I say it's? A, I don't want to. I don't want to cry about it. But doing multiple things like this in different directions, it is challenging. You know, book, video, and what have you. Whose idea was that? <laughs> <laughs> hmm, I wonder. Yeah, I, if I had a focused in one direction, it probably would have gone a little better. But, you know, hey, I very much like how they expand the topic. You know, you can show some things by video better. I think some things in publication form come across well, and I just like both. So I want to do both. If I ever get to write your uh, your uh, biography, I now have a title. It'll be Squirrel, the, you know, the Lincoln Wright story. <laughs> <laughs> It's too true. But I really, I hope you're excited by it. And I hope you really like this new book. I've tried to keep it. I like how the, the progress has been happening with the triple, uh, the triple P community. I hope that this is another empowering tool for them so that I wrote it in a way that Mark 44 guide would be a great first step. And this one, it's more about how Machine and Krieger will be empowering to your modeling life it was one of the great overarching themes I tried to keep in mind whilst writing it. So the idea concepts of permission and how it's quite open, like how strict is the law, things like that. So I hope it's really empowering for the community. I believe that it will. I know that a number of my friends that live in, in the Virginia area, they're of the, I think they've already put in a group order um, to you. Uh, my friend Eric was um, taking care of that. Yes, yes, Eric. And uh, your secret's safe with me. We won't tell <laughs> TJ what we're doing. Yeah. So no I know, spoilers. I know they're, they're very excited. And, um, I know I'm personally, I, I can't wait. I, I really can. And I, I, 
I cannot thank you enough um, for the opportunity. I, I really can. It's it's both uh, incredibly empowering and, and extraordinarily humbling to be involved. It, it really is. No, and, and, it I, and I thank you. Great. Thank you so much, TJ. It turned out great. Uh, I mean, you, you did you did you very well. Thanks, bro. Yeah, it's the, it's the only thing I know how to do. Right. <laughs> yeah, jokingly, that's why I say that for for that reason. I once saw, I think it was, but both separately, I saw uh, Bruce Willis and William Shatner explaining the very same thing. They were both lamenting that kind of low level directors, or they'd get hired for these gigs, and then these low level directors would try to tell them to be someone else and Bruce Willis you know he's pretty deadpan he just said look buddy you hire me you hire Bruce Willis you get Bruce Willis <laughs> and the simplicity of that bomb was, was it was so perfect I just thought yeah I mean you know I, I imagine like the same would be with so many actors and stars right you hire Mel Gibson you're getting Mel Gibson you know <laughs> for good for, for, for all the good and all the bad so but that goes down to, to selection and doing things right and having a, a strong vision for your, your, your product. You need to, to make sure that you're making the right plan and idea for it. Right. And you were always a perfect choice for this, TJ, and you, you've done it well. So thank you very much. And we placed you in, I think you're, you're five or six. So you're, you're in the first just half to kind of, it's a, it's a great tipping point in the book. You're, you're going to be really impressed when you get it. Oh. And might I say too, we've embiggened the book from the first uh, mentions of the release. It, it, it ballooned up to it's one hundred and fifty pages. <laughs> we're going to need so. we're going to need to provide like a glossary of terms for this conversation. No, em embiggened, I love love it. Yeah, yeah. it's a perfect it's a perfectly cromulent word, Scott. It's perfectly cromulent. <laughs> thank, thank you, thank you, thank you, Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> oh man well uh you know link i want to thank you um you know you've been such a great supporter of the triple p you know i think this is the third time you've let us pester you i remember that first time you know i reached out you know hey hey link will you, you you know, would you mind you know and, and and you were great you were like you're like scott ease up take a drink buddy just yeah I'd, i'll i'll talk to you it's okay you know you've been great and uh you know love the contributions on the site and it's been super exciting with for tj and i and others as science fiction fans and as machine and krieger fans to to see the job you do as as really just an outstanding ambassador for this property and for this genre and uh, we just have appreciated, you know, you being willing to to talk about it, let alone, you know, the the, the tutorials you do in these books. So, you know, um, patting you on the back a little bit here, but we just really, really appreciate uh, the relationship and your your personal contributions and your contributions as a great ambassador for uh, Machine and Krieger. Hey, I mean, I I'm part of the the Triple P community, so no, all good. I'm I'm more than happy. I've been on the show a lot, and I think right from the beginning as well. So I'm I only do these things to get on the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, job job well done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one more shout out to Grant. Just I hope you're okay with the storm passing. Grant has been a wonderful you know, friend and supporter for many many years, and we just hope he's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Reach out to our friends in, in California. Recently, man, we've been through some tough times, haven't we? Man, I'll say the weather uh, 
weather has been very, very strange to say the least. So mm. anyway, well, one more time, Leek, um, where can people find uh, your work and this book? Uh, where, where can people find it? So guys, very simply, paintonplastic.com. Uh, you can Google me, Lincoln Wright. It all comes up. Machining Krieger in English, M-A-K in English. The, the book pops up very quickly. I will try to get the other one back in store for you, probably with an expanded iteration of it. But uh, thank you very much for the support. I, I sincerely appreciate it. The amount of people that have pre-ordered, even before we had shown what was in it, thank you very much for the uh, the sign of trust. I sincerely appreciate that. That was amazing. Well, that was that was awesome. And uh, you know, you you highlighted you know the the people you're working with in the book, and and you know you very very carefully avoided uh, the subject of your own work, which is just terrific. And uh, anyway, should I mention something like that? There's also a bunch of awesome models by me <laughs> that's a great that's a great point <laughs> i didn't even count them yet but i i think i've supplied uh roughly half the content for the book it is actually a separate like theme that i i wanted to put the the, the spotlight on everyone else first but i kind of did have a separate theme running this time as well but that might be a discussion for another time i don't wanna, i don't want to Overstay the welcome. <laughs> well, you continue to feel better. Can't wait to see uh, what's next. The book's going to be awesome. You know, thank you again for coming back. And uh, we always look forward to talking to you. Thanks very much, Scott. Thanks, DJ. Thanks for having me. Oh, of course. Take care. We'll uh, We'll talk to you soon. Well, the, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Link. It's great that he's feeling better. Um, look forward to this new book. Obviously, uh, TJ's contributed to that. And uh, man, it's always fun talking to Link. And he's he's a blast to talk to. I also want to throw out there real quick. Sorry, Scott. I also want to throw out there real quick that his other book, his first book, sold out. So that is a big plus for him. It's a big plus for the people that got the, the first copy. So, you know, congratulations, Link, on that. You know, all the, all the best in the world. All right, let's uh, roll over to JB to talk about some merch. All right, it's that time, everyone. If you would like to rep the posse, you can check out all of our awesome merch at the Triple P Spring page. You can find coffee mugs, t-shirts, jumpers, or even our world-famous lounge trousers. What I think need to be added on that is a onesie for your favorite little guy or girl. Big shout out to Ian Ibones Models for a big congratulations on him and his wife having a lovely young boy. We will get some onesies up there so that he and others can enjoy the posse at any age. So you can order all this stylish Plastic Posse merch on the website, plastic-posse-podcast.creator-spring.com. Or loungetrousers.com. And and soon to be soon to be added the hashtag blame Banani shirt. <laughs> I think a lot of people can say that now. Actually, yes, <laughs> that's that you know, that shirt will sell out. Well, thanks for riding along with us on episode seventy six of the Plastic Posse. Your support along with our great sponsors and patrons helps bring the Triple P to you every two weeks. 
Got a gripe? Maybe a suggestion. You can send your feedback to Plastic Posse Podcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't yet joined the Plastic Posse page on Facebook, why not? What are you, crazy? See you all in two weeks and have a great modeling hobby weekend and talk to you guys all later. And before I go, I got to say one more thing. Yeehaw! Just a reminder, if you would like to support the Triple P and become a Plastic Posse Outrider, it couldn't be easier. Just go on over to our Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash Plastic Posse Podcast, and you can set up a recurring donation there. These contributions help offset the cost of bringing you the Triple P. There's three different tiers of support, and they start at just a buck a month. There's some great benefits. You can get early access to our podcast. You get premium access to the hosts. You get the chance to appear on a podcast and be famous like Mr. Cliff Herring. And you also get exclusive Triple P content like JB's recent trip to Normandy with patron-only photos. Uh, You know, we've done special builds on there, you know, all kinds of great stuff. So uh, I think it's pretty good value. Let's recognize our amazing deputy marshals. These guys really step up and help the posse uh, to do what we do. And we sincerely thank them for their support. Tim Gidcombe, Dan Newman, Robert Blocker, Tyler Moore, Derek Post, Craig Flynn, Brian Kreiner, Scale Modelcraft, Ken Childress, Nick Butta, Drew Gardner, Scott Hall, Frank Perone, The Voice of Bob, Jeremy Diamond, Ryan, Ryan Smith, Terry Wilkinson, Chris Lovewell, Andrew Callis, Ethan Idenmill, Bruce the Model Noob, Steve Baker, Eric Deglish, Joe Porche, Patrick Brown, Steve Schaefer, Jay Kidd, Brandon Gentry, Robert Klein, Mark Ewing, Ted Kawahara, Toadman, Model Doc, Doug Reed, Greg James, Les Ricala, B. Colt 1911, John Everett, Josh Buck, Black Rifle Model Works, Thomas Bannock, Mark Bradley, Zach Pease, Joel Munson, Eric Brubaker, Jeremy Moore, DB Scale Model Studio, Matt Johnson, Jeremy Elliott, Mike Talley, Previous Seat, Mediocre Middle-Aged Modeler, Dan Knuffel, and J.C. Osborne. And let's recognize our excellent posse foremen. These foremen are outriders who give the deputy marshals a hand. Tim, Jeff, Eddie, Ross, George, Gary, Warhoff Models, Drew, Ross, Eric, Len, Cliff, Eric, Mike, Papa Steve, Logan, Red Beach One Studios, MB Models, JV, Damon, Karen, Ta- uh, Kobe, Tim, Nukeman Mike, Greg, JAK, Ash, Irish Pat, Paul, what's the deal with iBones Models? Mr. Grizz, Jackson, Make Armor, Chris, Lee, and Jamie. 
And of course, our posse outriders. We appreciate all of you, including our newest outrider, Charles Rice. Thanks, Charles, and welcome to the posse. Please consider posting a review of the Triple P on the podcast platform that you use. Remember that each five-star review helps other modelers find the Plastic Posse. And as Doug mentioned earlier, if you're not a member of our Plastic Posse group on Facebook, please consider joining. It's a lot of fun. You can comment on photos, post pictures of your builds, and just have a lot of fun. See you all in two weeks.